0: good morning everybody mr landman mr crosby what's happening today hello there buddy nice to see you again it's been it's been a it's been a week (laughs) (laughs) had a solid week since last weekend's soiree yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. and it's back to cold yeah it's cold this morning morning. it's it's not i mean it's not really cold it's only there was
0: there was frost on my windshield this morning but this is the difference in our temperatures now because when I went to put my truck away last night, I left my sunroof open because I had it open yesterday. So it's just, we're on that edge where during the day, that the, all that beautiful sunshine just splashing down on my face. Yeah. Makes those cold mornings worth
1: it. It's all good. It's been a nice few days. Man, I tell you. I think it's going to snow next week. You think? That's what I heard. Three to six. Three to six. No shit. I didn't read that. Yeah,
0: I know it's coming. Everybody was so excited. Um, I, I've been getting so many calls for, uh, for um, from a landscaping company. Like, oh, it's spring. It's spring. It's like, no, 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 no. Hang on. It's not springtime yet. <laughs> that's don't your for- teaser. <laughs> don't forget where you live. This is the fall spring, and yeah, then and then we go back to some more snowstorms, and then some. Some maybe one more fall spring and then maybe a little more snow and then there'll be some rainy shit and then that'll be spring. And then we're in. Yeah. I will say though, it's it's nice to see all of the uh all the tulips and the daffodils. They're just starting to poke out of the ground. Do you have any around your house? Any any uh, uh, bulbs?
1: No. Well, I don't know what they are. I'm not so I'm not a gardener, but my wife, we have uh, you know, edging around our entire house. My yeah. wife every year plants Whatever flowers die every year. What are those called? Perennials. Yeah, or the other kind. Well, that if they die, die they're annuals. Okay, annuals. Yeah, yearly annual. Yeah. So everything's just dead right now. So she'll go and do a big planting weekend one,
0: one weekend too. Yeah, once we well, once it gets warm yeah, enough, you know the that frost up. isn't going to be happening. But yeah. there's some annuals that are frost hardy. Like there's some nice fall ones. um little, little tip for everybody out there: when you see those little daffodil heads and those tulip heads poking up out of the ground. Don't pull all the leaves off around them yet. There's some leaves around them around the ground. Just let them be because it's a little bit insulation. They like that right mm-hmm. now because it's gonna get cold again. Gonna yeah. Gonna need your need your warm clothes. You're not probably gonna need that base layer anymore. I put that shit away. Oh man, what a what a wonderful feeling! And I can take <laughs> those base layers. I can put them back in the box in the basement for another year of hibernation. Ah, oh, feels I, uh, so
1: good. I just I was. Oh. I missed the one weekend where you could t- take down Christmas lights. What do you mean? Oh, you your Christmas lights are still up. So I, we, we, <laughs> no, 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 So we we just had the the top ones along the gutters still up yeah. because I couldn't get a ladder to get to them because uh-huh. it was so snowy. But all the other ones were down. But I just finally took. Oh, those down. okay. So you you you're like ninety. I was like, yeah, I was like two thirds. They were two thirds down. Yeah. It's so funny, man.
0: When you drive down the street and you see someone's house is all still decked out in Christmas lights, but the green grass is growing, it's like,
1: come on, yeah, we don't, That's a little much. To me, I mean, again, to be fair, there was snow everywhere, and I couldn't get a ladder to get to the gutters. I'm I mean, there was snow. on there. I'm
0: not trying to pick on you right now because you left your Christmas lights up till after Easter. <laughs> it's not Easter yet. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Yeah, man. So it's uh, it's interesting. So. I, I've been thinking about dabbling into the Christmas light business hanging Christmas lights for people okay but my fingers oh they hate the cold so bad if it gets so right now because it's been so warm um, if it dips down to 30 at night and I go outside it's not bad but if it's a consistent 30 or a little bit less my fingers hurt outside so bad it's like they just they go numb really quick they turn bright red. And then they're just on fire, yeah. And and so I really—that's one of my struggles—is like trying to. You don't want to put. It's like putting Christmas lights up too early. It's like putting leaving them up too late. Right. You it's know, still you, Halloween. Yeah. You, around like the day after Halloween, it's cool. But if you put them up before Halloween, then it seems like yeah, you're well, just yeah. like all the fucking grocery stores and stuff playing their their next yeah, holidays that's, music. Oh.
1: That's the worst, man. That is when you walk in right after Halloween and suddenly there's Christmas mm-hmm. stuff. It's like, Oof, yeah, let's just take a
0: breath. You know, and the only time I've ever found the that I've found it acceptable to to jump a season ahead is when I go into um, like Farm and Fleet or Menards and they've got all the seeds out mm-hmm. and they got the yeah. the like the um, the camping chairs out. It's like, oh yeah, sure, I'm gonna look sure. forward to that shit. That makes me happy. When I see that, it's almost
1: like sunshine on my face. Well, with the seeds and stuff, there's people not, who like start like planting that shit like in an indoor greenhouse right now to get them sprouted, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: So like, I think a big part of the seed industry is people that just they're so fucking tired of winter, and that that warm sun is coming through the windows, and they got a nice south facing window, so then they'll get those little starter trays and they'll get some peas going and some spinach and some tomatoes and stuff. I got a buddy of mine though, he does hoop houses and he grows all organic tomatoes and I'm sure he's got a shitload going right now mm-hmm. because he sells them from the first farmer's market until till the end of, you know, until the snow flies. He's always, you know, this is his jam. That's sure. what he does for a living. So it's uh but yeah man, just when you when I walk in a store and I see those sexy, sexy Bag bag lawn chairs that I know I'm gonna break three of them over the summer. Yeah, right. And uh, you know the coolers are out and the tiki torches and the, it's like oh yeah it's about to be on baby. You know we were talking uh, I don't know what was it, last week or whatever about the darty two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Weeks. My son's darty action. So he sent me a quick little video of a darty and it's like it was it it was like a <laughs> first shot. Was a pile a pile of, of beer cans in in like this big mound, right? And it's surrounded by by kids, by college kids. There must have been I don't know forty kids there in, in a big circle. It's good. They're all sitting on tailgates and lawn chairs and shit, and the music's pumping. And there's them like I tried. I didn't know if there was some kind of significance at the pile of beer cans in the middle, but it's just where they throw the cans. And then they say, whoever's house it's at, the cans stay, and then the house, whoever owns the house gets to take all the cans and recycle them, and they get the whatever. But the 50 cents. It's more than that. <laughs> it's it more is. than that. But you got to pick all them up. You got to smash them. Did you smash cans when you were a little kid? Yeah. We had a little in the garage, mm-hmm. a little crusher. the little can crusher? Yeah. Did you guys um, do a lot of that? Did you recycle?
1: Yeah, my dad still does my my parents are huge soda drinkers huge oh okay and um and yet yeah, he has like 3 you know 50 gallon garbage cans that just over the course of months gets filled up with soda cans or whatever and then he takes them to recycle the aluminum is it worth as much today as it used to be? I don't think so, and I say that because he started giving them to my brother in law because my brother in law started doing the same thing. He goes, "You could just take these." Uh, so I don't yeah, think it's so worth it's, as much. It is, <laughs> if you're, it used to be worth a lot. Yeah, I mean, you'd save your cans, you'd come home at least with a hundred bucks, right?
0: Yeah. Well, I. So when I was a kid, um, my uh, my grandparents. So we lived in this little town. So whenever um, weekend had come around. All the uncles and everybody would go to my grandparents' house and sit around all weekend. They'd drink beer and play cards. And they had like a a semi big backyard. And sometimes they'd play like some softball in the backyard. And they'd just sit around and bullshit all weekend long. There's some professional beer drinkers. And uh, so at the end of the weekend, my cousins and I we would take the cans, but we didn't have a crusher. We just, the crusher was on the end of our leg. Yep. Sit them in the driveway and we'd smash all the cans and throw them in the in the bag and of course you know it's like by the time you're done smashing cans you're fucking covered in beer (laughs) you know because it's like there's always that little bit in the bottom right third of it still sitting in there oh this that's the worst because it sprays everywhere but yeah so you know you smell like beer you feel the cans and then we throw them all in the back of somebody's pickup truck and they drive us to the recycling place and then whatever was there would get split up amongst the cousins I think I remember one time I got like 20 bucks and there was always at least three of us there. Yeah. So probably maybe, you know, hundred bucks if you get like enough. Like enough, right. Yeah.
1: So. And maybe that's where my thought of a hundred is, is because my dad always, like I said, like he'll, he has garbage cans that he just, they have their little place in his garage and they just fill them till they're full. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe that's just like the general mm-hmm. amount. have you
0: have you seen those machines they've got in europe for at like grocery stores and shit for recycling cans and bottles and stuff no they're so fucking cool it's like this whole wall um and then and there's all these holes in the wall and so uh um over there i i might be fucking totally wrong but i think this is right um they uh when you buy a six pack of bottles you get charged per glass bottle an extra fee mm-hmm. but then when you go to the store you deposit the bottles oh sure. and then you get the feedback it used to be that way here because they because making the bottles was expensive yep so then you get the bottles back and they could clean them up and use them again so you just go to the grocery store with your bags full of like plastic and cans and bottles and you put it into this thing and it, again it, uh, it either shoots you out money or it shoots you out a ticket that you can use
1: inside the grocery store for, toward your groceries that makes sense yeah and it's so smart dude. is that why there's like you know, on the bottom of a soda can, like a five cents right. or something like yeah, that.
0: yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's like, if you return it, it's usually glass bottles where you yeah. see it more on, than on soda cans. But so yeah. they still
1: have that here for <clears throat> for a very specific milk. You had the glass bottle really? milk? Didn't, oh, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Is it uh, I Am Dairy? No, it's, um, I Am Dairy is a distributor. It's, um, oh, shit. I want to say it's. No, now I don't know what it is. Anyways, there's a f- select few grocery stores where they have the glass-bottled milk, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's so good. Their chocolate milk is so thick and creamy. It's really amazing. But it's the same concept. You pay for it, and when you pay for it, you also get charged like a dollar for the-, the A bo- fucking dollar? Yeah. But it's the same concept. When you're done, you're returning and you get your dollar right back. To, to, to the grocery store? Yeah.
0: So do the- does the, does the store have a receptacle? Like, how do you? No, you just take it to like their customer service counter, and they they just give you a crisp George Washington. Yeah, yeah. Huh.
1: So, it, like, I've, it just forces you to follow through with it. Obviously, well, right?
0: yeah, it's 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 a great concept because you know how many people recycle or how many people like you know me like when I walk my dogs, how many fucking cans
1: and shit yeah. I pick
0: up on the side yeah. of
1: the road. It's so annoying. But Well, the same concept with uh, is it Aldi's that you put the quarter in to get your or you used to pre-COVID? Oh, it's super
0: smart. Oh yeah, they got it. It's back in yeah. back in gear. They only they only didn't do it for a little while, then eventually they just hired some dude to stand outside and wipe down the carts. Sure. You know, but it's not like people are going to suck on the quarter or something. You would hope, you not, know. But- maybe, maybe their kid would suck on it, but whatever. It's like uh, all these is one of my favorites. It's definitely one of my favorites because they're they're, they're conscious like that where they don't have to pay somebody to go chasing around the damn parking lot for their carts, and their carts stay in good condition way longer than other grocery stores, right, you right. know, because they're not getting smacked around by cars, and not getting rusted out out in the weather, not getting stolen, you know, because you want to get that quarterback. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, it's um, it is good. You know, I read an interesting thing, um, this uh this last week that the so like there's a um. I don't know if it's a, a economist, and he thinks that the price of, of um, the price of vegetables is going to be going way up, quick. Like here in the next five years, like broccoli and cauliflower and cabbage and all that shit's going to like double. Okay, which it's not really that expensive right now, and and it's probably honestly, if if I think about it, it's probably a good thing because how much of that shit do we waste? Right, you know. When, like, when you buy broccoli, you know, you get two packages of broccoli. I, this is what I do anyway. You get a couple of packages of broccoli, a couple of cauliflower. Sometimes, by the time you get to that second package, it's all moldy and shit. You right. just throw it away. So, at a $1.99 or whatever it is, I don't, it's like, ah, uh, you know, I can't eat it. It's moldy. But I don't feel bad about it. But if it was four bucks, I sure as shit would want to be buying one and eating that one and then going and getting another one.
1: Yeah, okay. I agree with that. I will argue that in general the fact that the healthier options are so much more expensive generally speaking already than trash food is like, a serious like concern. Like what? Like in general I can go buy a bag of potato chips for 2.30, mhm, or I can buy a head of broccoli for 2 2 dollars. How many people make the choice to buy well the potato chips? Ever, yeah. But in a general I know, sense, I know I think junk I know what food you mean. or trash food yeah. is cheaper than healthier alternatives. Yeah,
0: well, I see that definitely more like restaurants. Like you look at McDonald's restaurant junk food, trash food, really cheap, easy to easy to acquire. Or you go to a restaurant, and you get a good meal with the even if it is a burger, it's like you get a burger or a salad, or some some veggies with it, you know, or, or whatever. It's it is definitely. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um it's like uh but I mean So here's the thing, like you can buy a candy bar. Like what's a what's a what's a candy bar? Buck fifty now? I think it totally depends where you go, but yeah. Okay, a so dollar.
1: let's just average a dollar. Okay,
0: it's a dollar. So you could buy a candy bar for a dollar, you could buy um a honey crisp apple for a dollar. You know? It's like so many people are gonna buy that candy bar. Yeah. You know, and it's like there's this, I don't know, maybe there's this weird weird stigma. You know, it's, um I don't know who I was eating dinner with one time, uh, but uh, they was like, do you want um, extra, I don't know, fries or some shit? I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do fries. I'll do this, you know, whatever, salad on the side. He's like, oh, his body's a temple and shit. And it's like, sometimes I just want to eat better, yeah, you know? Yeah. But there's a stigma around people who try to eat, eat healthy. It's like, well, what are you trying to be, you know? In, I don't know. I think that um, one of the things that we, oh, interesting statistic. And and I haven't uh, uh, disclaimer here. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I read this um, in, the, in the New York Times this morning or yesterday morning. So, when you correlate the countries um, in the world that had the highest death toll from the coronavirus compared to the countries in the world that have the highest rate of obesity the, the countries with the highest rate of obesity they corolla, are like right? tenfold yeah. the amount of deaths compared to the people with less obesity Yep, and and it's like
1: you know it's I'm amazed so yeah there's they there's basically a correlation between your actual health what and that's not that's this is not slighting someone who doesn't isn't healthy. But like diabetes had a huge contributing factor to death in coronavirus or COVID, right? Yeah. So that's not your fault. But if you have diabetes, it's just how it worked. But well, it the, it depends on the diabetes. True, there's
0: a so there's a diabetes that that comes from eating too much sugar, being yeah. overweight, and being generally unhealthy. So I I diabetes. think what you're getting at is you don't want to fat shame people. You don't want to right. you no. know.
1: I, and but
0: at the same time, though, there's there's like it's. I don't think there's anything wrong. With
1: with saying that somebody's unhealthy, I agree. And so, with this entire lockdown process, I mean, fuck. States were locked down for a year. Ike, mm-hmm. is California still locked down? Uh, they're
0: just starting to open shit up. Okay, just barely. But they're, they're just barely. It's March thirteenth. Yeah, yeah. The, the one year anniversary was like was it was it March tenth? There was twenty
1: three cases in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. And so. So we had a year and instead of, I mean, we've been all over with this pandemic. We've, we've promoted vaccinations. We've said, I don't trust vaccinations because of who was president. We've said, don't go outside. We've said, don't wear masks. We said, wear two masks. We've been all over, but not once have we said, take care of your body. Not once have we said, why don't you get some exercise? why don't you look at what you're eating and make a conscious effort to be slightly healthier. Yeah. We've, we've, we've laser focused on this one thing, one that has killed right half a million people. So there's no doubt. It didn't need laser focus. Yeah. But in the general sense of health and wellness, how many more people does that kill in this country alone? And there's no focus on it.
0: You're such a dick. Why you gotta be picking on people? God, you're gonna make people feel bad, <laughs> Kyle. No, you're at, You know, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That's it, man. The having having uh, a a bit of the 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 conversation steered to fucking treat your body better. Right. You know, it's like. So I have a hard time sometimes. Like so, there's a uh, uh, there's like the the biggest beautiful campaigns mm-hmm. and all these mm-hmm. things, and so. I can completely understand and get behind that there are all different kinds of beauty in the world, you know. And and big is beautiful, but at the same time, big can also be very fucking unhealthy. You know, it's it's like there's when someone's got a, a, a because of their current health, there's a chance they're going to die twenty years younger. Then, then how is that? How, how do we balance? between showing praise for somebody who's being brave and coming out for being who they are, which is great because you don't want people to be, have mental health issues because of it. But at the same time, how do we say to those people that are unhealthy, Hey, you're beautiful, but you're also unhealthy. Right. You know, it's, there's, there's gotta be a line where, where people can be honest and say, you know, if you can't walk up two flights of stairs, without really getting winded in bad shape and you got to take a break then you got to work on that man yeah you know yeah. because i'm telling you it's like it's it's our our food industry doesn't seem to be getting really any better like it's all there's so much fast food now yeah you know there's and,
1: fast food and again i i still believe that even if it's equal priced it's easier to buy unhealthy things
0: well, I, I, on a on a comparison, when it comes to like between a bag of chips and a piece of fruit or or some broccoli, yeah. I agree. The difference I see in a bag of fruits and a thing of broccoli is that you know you got to prepare the broccoli. You know the big, chips, you just crack it open and you go for it. You could do that with broccoli, but who the fuck kind of psycho just does that shit? Some
1: steamable broccoli. Fucking broccoli! Where, where a are bag you gonna were you gonna steam it? It's I, in a bag, I, man! Just throw it in your microwave. I, i'm talking about you go
0: to the store <laughs> and you open up the bag of chi- you get to your car and you just pop open the bag of lace brother and oh. you just start shoving them in your face because you can you're um, not going to do that with broccoli but-,
1: but you can do that with an apple a banana yeah you can absolutely apple chips you can get some freaking freeze-dried apple chips although those are usually laced in sugar
0: yeah those are yeah and they're chemical the shit yeah same but so when, the reason I guess that I keep going back to the fast food is because I think in in my mind, that speaks more to your point than even the, the bag of chips versus an apple argument is that fast food, A, is fast. Yep. So if you got someone doesn't have to get out of the car, they don't have to make any effort whatsoever. You just got to roll down your window and you don't, don't even take any energy to do that. Remember the windows you have to crank? Yeah. Do you ever
1: have a car like that? Uh, not personally, but my dad had a little two-door Ranger five-speed, and it had everything manual. The crank windows. Locks, you, too, man. You
0: fucking kids don't even know these days. The locks had that they were silver, had a big knob on the
1: top. You had to oh, pull on. No. These were just, uh, it was just a plastic black tube that when you wanted to lock it, you punched down, uh-huh. and then in order to open it, you either just flipped the handle from the inside or you had to use the key on the outside. Oh. See? No plunger.
0: No play. So the ones I remember, my mom had this old. I don't know. It was like a Lincoln or some shit. It was like it was a Mm -hmm. boat on wheels, Mm -hmm. but it had this chrome lock. um But you could twist the lock off. Oh, sure. It was just like screwed on. Yeah, it was just screwed on there, so you could push it down and twist the lock off, and it would open if you if you open it on the inside. But you couldn't. My my, might piss my mom off when I do that. Oh, awesome story. You got
1: one. You got one too. We gotta gotta go back. We we can talk vehicles just finish like, okay, let's, like, oh, yeah, fast like yeah there's a you're a, right there's a thank a, you for a convenience me. to fast food and i'm fine with the convenience but the options are all trash they are and and they're
0: there's it's been proven that they're addictive yeah they there's something in fast food that hits your dopamine receptors different than a than a bag of and broccoli does it just there it's different and so people that have it then then all of a sudden that's all they want they crave it it's like you know i've had those cravings oh, yeah. you sit yeah. down it's like so here's that have you heard about the mcdonald's sprite no so apparently mcdonald's has the greatest fucking sprite known to man thought and it was coke i was told it was sprite i'm pretty sure it's coke fuck you it's sprite Damn right. you Look, Do you want to put a fiver on it uh yeah okay we'll put a fiver on it uh, if you're uh, coffee, listening coffee give us, next week, give coffee us a, next week. Okay. Coffee next week. Give us a call in. We get, should we figure out a way to
1: set up so people could ask questions or something? That'd be fun. Uh, how do we do that? Fun. F- so, okay, here's a little side tangent. So if you, so we're, I mentioned this once anchor, um, hosts us. Yeah. Like, like that's the hosting thing. And then they distribute to, to a bunch of different podcasts, but there is a voice message option on the, our anchor page. Or you can actually record a message to us. Really? Yeah. That's pretty awesome. So I need to, here's what I'll do. I need to find the anchor link. Um, I will put it in the the podcast description. Okay. And so if anyone's listening and you want to send us a message or ask a question or or just chat because you're not one of the nine people that listen to this that <laughs> already text us about it, um, feel free. I think they have the option utilize it. And we could, like long term, we could easily set up Gmail's free, dude. We could just set up a Kyle and Ike conversation Gmail. Although maybe, now maybe, that I said it, the nine people are just going to all set it up and try and blackmail us for it. I'll probably sell it to us for five bucks. More than
0: that, we're we're our <laughs> we're, we're, we're going viral, baby. It's going to be worth millions. Um. So so addictive. So yeah, going Coke going back. Sprite. To sprite. sprite. TVD, but it's Coke. so everybody tells me it's Sprite. It's Sprite. Um, that. Uh, uh, McDonald's has like this special sprite. Nobody else has a sprite that tastes good as a McDonald's sprite. It's I don't it's a kid thing. My son told me about it, so it's gotta be legit. But Your so, son just cost you five bucks. Oh fuck he did. If he <laughs> did, then he can buy me lunch next time he's in town. Um but so it's it's an easy option. It it's I think fast food is kinda like Walmart, right? You can go to Walmart and you're not you people go to Walmart in their pajamas at say midnight when they know they don't really gotta see anybody. Right. You know. So a person can stay in their pajamas, they can head out to to Mickey D's and, you know, order their their quarter pounder with cheese and a large fry and a large drink and a hot apple pie and they can stay in their pajamas. It's it's like there's just an ease of use that goes with it too. So there's there are so many factors put in place to make people choose shitty fast food over You know, a nice restaurant, and it doesn't mean expensive. Just nice. Just be able to go sit down and, you know, it's like to go in and have breakfast at a restaurant. It's going to take you forty five minutes. Yep. You know, yeah. and there's so many people. I I think that there's also a a, a bit of a neurosis, I guess I would call it, that there's never enough time. Like there's never enough time because I got it. Like it takes too long to do things, and it's has probably more to do with our attention span, really. Then it has to do with uh, actual time. Sure. You know, but if someone is used to going to McDonald's and grabbing a, a whatever McMuffin and, then, and a McGriddle and they head out the, the drive through and they go home with it, if you ask them to sit down in a restaurant for 45 minutes, they'd probably say no. Because it's just like 45 mm-hmm. minutes that, you know, it's like, well, I don't have time for that.
1: Even if they do. So do, do, do families? is, so when I was growing up, I remember we used to like make it a point, and maybe not every week, but it was like a thing where we would purposely go to a, as a family out to like brunch, mm-hmm. sit down place, grab a brunch. Is that not a thing anymore? I'm trying to think.
0: I think for some families it totally is. You know, it, um, there's I, I, there first of, all, I don't think is I think it's kind of hard to find a brunch anymore. I think there's yeah, only a couple true. of them in Baraboo, but I, I one of my favorite things to do is to go and sit down and have a meal with my family because it's one of those times when there's no devices, you're out of the house, there's no distractions, there's nothing like the dog's not under the table yakking up a bone, whatever, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I just pictured National <laughs> Um And there's like, you know, there's, you're not looking at some dishes that got to be done, you know, all that shit that goes with the sit down meal at home, which I think is rarely underutilized as well. Like every night, we always sit down to dinner table. Mm-hmm. And I, I just fucking love it. I love it because I'm sitting face to face with my family. And if you got teenage kids and you're sitting down to dinner nowadays, it's probably rare. But when you do and you're like, how was your day? And they're like, fine. I just, You still flip them a little bit of shit and you just going to see their face and you see the whites in their eyes and you have their attention. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's so, it's so important to me for sure. It's like it means a lot to sit there with my family members. It's, it's It used to be the core, the yeah, core of the family. Yeah. Every single meal we sit down together and we just have to take, take some time to check in. Otherwise, in, in our fast-paced fucking world we live in right now, when do we have a chance to do that? Yeah, yeah. it's,
1: uh <clears throat> so my family, we still sit down for dinner, but... I feel like we've gotten to the point, I'm going to rag on myself here, that it's we sit down together, but it's still just, you know, everyone's off in their own world. Like my three year old, he's playing with toys while eating, or, you know, he's, yeah. he wants, you know, a show on TV or something like that. Oh, kind of like, oh, you guys. Well, so it started because he's such a slow eater. Like if he had his way, like he would have, I don't need, like, five bites and we'd be sitting there for an hour and he'd be like does he he,
0: how old is he three three yeah does he do you think he does it on purpose or is he just like that's just kind of his his
1: jam like he He just just, like yeah he's a muncher he just sits there and slowly munches so it's like okay here's what we're gonna do i'm gonna put on this little show for you and by the time it's over hopefully you're done eating (laughs) huh interesting and and then my wife now is feeding you know our, our seven month old, he's just starting to get into solids. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, you look and occasionally she's you know scrolling through her phone. So call it to yeah. her.
0: You know, it's funny when when my when my kids are babies, we didn't have the the cell phones to even scroll through. But I, I gotta say, like that was some of my favorite time. I loved feeding my kids. Oh yeah, like yeah, I'd la- put them in the high chair and you'd you'd like. When they're babies, obviously you're giving them the baby food, the Gerber stuff that you, I know I wouldn't touch. Well, I don't know. Some of the stuff yeah, I nope. ate, I touched the applesauce shit or whatever. Like that was all right. But like, nope, nope, no. Nope. So did you, do you feed them with a the little spoon with the rubber tip on it? Yeah. Oh my God. I, when I used to, when I was a, an adult feeding my kids, I'd take a little bite and I'm like, i chew on the rubber spoon a little bit. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's kind of cool. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but it's like. It just brings right right now. I got this whole flood of memories and emotions from just seeing my babies and just feeding them. And it's like I remember the first time I gave them ice cream, mm. and the and the look in their face. They're like, "What is that? That is amazing! Give me all of it." And it's like uh, our ketchup. First time you uh-huh. give them ketchup, it's like uh, it's like the the vinegar and the ketchup, and it just like their eyeballs get all big and their face turns <laughs> inside out. And it's like. It's the greatest.
1: Yeah, man. I used to yeah. just love sitting with my kids and eating, but. That's where we're at right now. But we, so we're only doing like one new food. You'd do one new food like a week or every four Is this a days. program? I don't know. So my wife, kudos to her. She, uh, f- our first kid, she made all the baby food. She made it? Yeah. Like blended it and, yep. and like, did yep. you freeze it or what? Yep. Yeah. You, you put it in uh, like ice cube trays. And you freeze it, and then you just pop out a couple cubes, and you dethaw thaw and
0: Isn't that crazy? First kid. Yep. You and do so, all
1: the shit. So we were talking, and she goes, yeah, I'm not doing that for, for <laughs> I'm like, okay. We bought, I think she got one little pack of, you know, pre-made carrots or something like that. Uh-huh. she goes, yeah, I looked this up. She goes, I'm making baby food. I'm like, oh, okay. And she goes, apparently there's, you know, it's just... She wasn't happy with the, the, the ingredients. The ingredients or the yeah. quality. She goes, yeah, I'm, I'm not putting that into my child's exactly. body. Fuck it that. is a
0: temple of goodness.
1: <laughs> it will not but, consume this shit. But he gets those same big eyes with with simple things, peas and carrots. Really? And yeah, because it's just like whole
0: oh, food. <laughs> that's that's awesome, man. That's so, awesome. I can, It's so cool, man. When you see. You know, like you're just like a vector of sensory. You know, just like everything you touch, these babies, everything they touch and feel, and, and like, you know, it's like every- they got to stick everything in their mouth, everything. You know, it's like yep. their their feet are always in their mouth, and then they're like grabbing remote controls and shit and sticking in their mouth. It's like it's like a dog, yeah. Almost they got to sniff and lick everything to figure out what the hell it is. And it's it's I don't know, man. It's such a cool age and time to to be with your babies and stuff and. I'm trying to think. I want to say that my kids' mom, she's the type she would have made the baby food, but I don't remember, dude. We did cloth diapers. Oof, I can't. No. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't have the. You don't have the stomach for it.
1: That, uh, it's just what a mess. I I understand why. I oh fuck, always I, saved thousands of dollars. I was gonna say, I'm say i buying diapers right yeah, now. Yeah. And it, like, I totally understand. And why. all
0: that shit's not going in the landfill either. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't know what they say. I mean, diapers today are probably different than they used to be, but it was like however many years before a diaper yeah. would, would biodegrade. And I don't even know if the words biodegraded
1: or just disintegrate, but yeah. it's, uh, well, um, and they, all, they they sit in a plastic diaper bag. any like, yeah. you have a diaper pail with a bag in it. You put the diaper in there and then you put that in your garbage. And so it's, I totally understand that aspect, but fuck dude. I don't want to sit there and wash off poopy diapers. And Question. Do you stick them in your laundry, your washing Hang machine? Hang on. Well, you do, but I'm going to ask you. If when your first baby
0: was born, your wife said, honey, this is really important to me. It's, it's hard on the environment. I want to, it's going to cost us a lot of money. And they've got some really nice versions of cloth diapers now that are really easy to keep clean. I really want to do this. Would you have done it?
1: probably
0: fucking yeah. ain't right you would have that's what happened to me dog <laughs> <laughs> i was like i was all prepared for that diaper bag full of shitty diapers from the grocery store and uh um and then my ex-wife's like well we're gonna do cloth diapers i'm like what's a cloth diaper <laughs> i what? had no idea i'm like what do you mean and so she's like "Well, it's this and this she actually sewed him she sewed them herself she oh, made them damn. i know she had some skills um and, uh, so there was the cloth diaper and then there was this plastic diaper cover. The diaper cover part really sucked. I think for the kids, cause it was like, it's like, a, uh, it just was uncomfortable. I would think it'd be uncomfortable. Like, like they're babies and like, you know, they, but they get these little red marks from the elastic around their oh, leg sure. and stuff, yep. you know, but at first, at first, you know, the first baby poop, it's like, it's kind of gross, but it doesn't really smell. Mm-hmm. It just looks disgusting. And and then so like when you get over that and then you know it's not so bad and then when they get a little bit older, man, you want your kids to potty train way faster when you're using cloth diapers. Yeah, I bet. Because I'm telling you, you don't you know you don't want to be you don't want to be cleaning them deuces out that that long, but it's it's like what we would do is they all go into a pail, and then uh, um, you'd like, you know, at the end of the day, you you clean them out into the toilet or whatever. And then you'd rinse them, and we always had like those rubber gloves, like you get for like cleaning your bathroom and shit.
1: Big yellow ones.
0: Wear a pair of those, clean them out, and then you put them in like a a bucket to just soak. And then after they soak for a day, and then you throw them in the wash, and then it doesn't like there's no residue or anything, you know. But it's a process for sure. But I can't, you know, like all almost all my kids. I want to say my youngest. I don't think he had cloth diapers the whole time but almost the whole time that's one of those things we did stick with
1: but so you're i mean you have to have 20 30 cloth diapers oh easy easy if not more. and every day you're dedicating to cleaning poopy diaper yep every yeah. day every day that's a commitment but like you said it's a huge savings it's what's well, so so a pack of mm, i don't even know fuck, how many our diapers are in a big pack anymore but like the big pack is like Forty bucks for diapers. Is it? Yeah. That, what's that?
0: How many are you getting in for forty? Bucks? That's what I'm trying
1: to remember. I want to say like a hundred and I don't know some random number, sixty or seventy or something. So it's at like that. a month's worth. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Depends on if if your if your babysitter has their own, but you probably not. So what? What? Like oh, if you got like
0: if you go drop your kid if off, you got to drop your kid off oh. somewhere and you got to take diapers. I was with. just trying to think of some babysitter like. When I think of a babysitter, I think of some like thirteen-year-old girl oh, that shows yeah. up to the house. and she's carrying her own diaper bag? <laughs> she's got she's <laughs> got her she's got her job. No, on lock and right and, there. Uh,
1: and I say that because we are entirely fortunate where my mom is retired and is our babysitter, right? But so since she does that, she just has boxes of diapers at the house. So we're lucky enough where I don't have to take diapers with. Right. I'm sure in a traditional manner, if you just take your child somewhere you have to supply your own diapers. Yeah,
0: well you, generally that's how it goes or you're going to pay for them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Going back for just a second, you said, you know, imagine the amount of time it takes to dedicate to washing those diapers. Well, what the fuck else? You, you might miss like 5 minutes of your episode. I mean, and I'm not not to you specifically, but in general like even going back to the conversation around food, it's like we always feel like there's no fucking time. It's like True. we live in this world that promotes that there's so little time, right? And and honestly, yeah, we're on this earth for a limited amount of time. It's finite. We're all going to fucking die. Nobody's getting out of this shit alive yet. Anyway, I don't know. There's some weird shit going on out there. But um, that, to that point, it's like in in that time when you're washing diapers and you're not you know, looking at a phone or watching TV or, or, you know, whatever there's, we have more time than we think we do. Mm -hmm. I think that we're, that as a society, we're trained to think that we don't have much time. But if, if I think about how much time every single day that I spend dicking off, you know, and and it's like, and I'm a busy guy. I got a lot of shit that I do, and I still have enough time during the day to, to, you know, look at some stupid shit online or watch a couple dumb videos. And, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's it's kind of a it's a it's a weird argument because some people take that time as a time to decompress, so they gotta let go of some shit, and so they just kind of zone out on something. But. I don't know. I guess back in the day, I zoned out when I was washing the diapers for my kid. Sure. You sure. know, instead of zoning out watching, you know, clips from movies on
1: YouTube. Yeah, and it probably just becomes like a a daily ritual, maybe isn't the right word. but it's, no, it's
0: a daily practice, for yeah. sure.
1: Every single day, you do the same thing. You get it done. And so you find your own comfort level and just, okay, this is my time to do this. And yeah, and then
0: you think about whatever, because once you... You know, honestly, when I'm looking at a diaper full of shit, I don't want to be thinking about it. <laughs> those videos, when you see first-time dads changing diapers and they're trying to not throw up, have you seen those? No. Oh my God, they're so funny. She's, this, you just, you picture this young dad, and 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 the mom's got the, she's got her phone out and she's videotaping him. You know, or videotape. God, how fucking old am I? Old I got as balls. the camcorder. <laughs> I'm videotaping, son. She's got, she's taking video of him. And like he'll reach over with his little his little fingers, it's like you know he's picking up a time bomb or something. <laughs> he'll he'll peel that that velcro back from that first strap, and he's like, uh, and he's making these vomiting noises, and he can't. His eyes are all watering and shit. And it's like, oh my god, it's it's the funniest thing in the world. Nice. It is amazing. If you want to get a good laugh, you listen this. Look up dads changing their first diaper videos. What is it with dads, man? We get such a bad rap. We're such wusses when it comes to shit like that. Like, moms are badasses when it comes to, like, baby fluids and vomit and shit, you know? And dads are just such bitches.
1: So, my first dad, I don't... Your first dad? My first dad experience is what I was going to say. I just stopped talking. Um, (laughs) So, when I first became a dad, I mentioned last week, I had a smashed thumb. So, I had a big fucking caster on my thumb. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For the first, was that your excuse? No, oh. I still, I Sam's, my wife still made me do it. Okay, good. And so good I for you, Sam. So I'm holding my thumb up right now, and I'm bending it. Um, so I didn't have use of a thumb. It had a big cast on it. Mm-hmm. It didn't encompass like my whole hand, but it just wrapped around my palm. Basically, it's like a big ass Q-tip. Essentially, yeah, yeah. And so I had no movement. So I had to learn how to do everything with my pointer and middle finger. Nice. So take care of baby with pointer and middle finger. Oh. I had to learn how to put on pants with a pointer finger and middle finger. I had to learn how to tie my shoes with a pointer finger and middle finger. So it was an interesting time, though. So I, I tried to use it as an excuse. I did. I'll fully admit. I was like, I don't have a thumb. What, the, what am I supposed to do? But I didn't, that didn't fly. So, But I'm pretty sure I didn't gag myself out. So. Well, that's good. <laughs> we got that going. I'm over here laughing
0: my ass off because Kyle's... If <laughs> We had our video going... He's wiggling around this pointer finger, middle finger, and he's pointing it down at the table and all these things, and it's like,
1: what else is going on with that pointer
0: finger and middle <laughs> finger, Kyle? You guys have some skill set going on, brother? I,
1: had to, <laughs> I went from a lefty to a righty. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about anyway.
0: We don't have to go there. <laughs> <laughs> you had to change diapers with a pointer finger, middle finger, and all you're saying is that you got damn good at it. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> so so kids, yeah. Um, Boom. Yeah, you know, it's it's so interesting. Talk about kids. And uh, believe it or not, when the fuckers grow up and uh, we get older, and so I had this buddy of mine. So back in the day in Baraboo, I used to own coffee shops. I had a, a drive through espresso stand called King Louis Java Stop. It's honestly it's, it's truly how I met so many of the people that I know in this great little community. We live in a baraboo and, and so I was working it as many days as I possibly could and I'd see these people come into my drive thru and there was a guy, a buddy of mine named Dale. And uh this was the only time I'd ever see him, but I'd see him every single day in my drive through. And now when I see him, it's like we're we're like we're buds, but I don't I don't I see him maybe once every three, four months. Mm-hmm. Well, it just so happens he goes to the same gym as me. And so he uh um I saw him at the gym and we just started chatting for a couple of minutes and he was saying that uh he's getting ready to retire. And he's he's uh uh 60 years old, 61 years old. And he's like, "Man," he goes, "I spent the last 30 years working 50-60 hours a week. He he travels all around the world for his job, so he's got Thousands and thousands and thousands of, of miles traveled. And he's like, and, I, and I've been doing it all for this culmination of this one point. And he goes, well, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, right? You know, it's like at 61 years old, he's worked his entire life for this dream of retirement. But what does it even fucking mean? You know, what do you do with your time? Because when you're working and your kids are home, your whole life revolves around your home and your and your work, your family and your work. And so it's day in and day out. You get a routine, kind of like washing the fucking diapers or, or whatever it is. Eventually, it turns into going to your kids' gymnastics, taking your kids to soccer. You know, you, you do all these different things around your family and your work. And then when you hit 60, all of a sudden, your family and your work are fucking, it's, it's over. Your family's... Your kids are all in their 20s and 30s they're out living their lives doing their thing and I know what it was like when I was in my 20s and 30s when uh my family like if I had grandparents or whatever wanted to come and hang out I was always super busy because mm-hmm. now I'm focused on work and kids and in life and I gotta fix a leaky roof or whatever and it's uh it's a really it's to think about what it's going to be like at that point in my life. I don't ever want to get there and feel like all I worked for was to get to this point, so I can enjoy my life. And now I don't know what the fuck to do with it.
1: Right. Well, your life is two thirds over.
0: Right. So I have a kind of my the way I think about it now compared to I'm not going to say I don't know what Dale how he thought about it when he was 30, but. I have i don't work forty fifty I work forty I don't work fifty sixty hours a week and and have this massive goal in mind of where I'm gonna be when I'm sixty so then I can start to live my life right you know and I think it's a it's it's kind of a trap that we set up for ourselves here as we work 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 our ass off to get to this point where we can retire when the reality is i in my experience, for, for men especially, who tend to, in the generations before, would tend to spend all of their energy and time just directed at work. And when work was over, they'd retire and they'd buy a lazy boy and a riding lawnmower. They'd come home and sit down. And then their bodies go downhill in a fucking hurry, you know. And so I've kind of taken what I've learned from grandparents and such that have gone through that life to apply to my life where I just, I feel like I'm probably going to be working until the day I die. Yeah. That's what I want to do. And my, it's just going to be a different version of work. You know, it's like being involved with the boys and girls club or, or habitat for humanity. I want to do that when I'm 60 years old, I want to still get up in the morning and I want to have a purpose because I think that's what keeps us alive. Yeah, yeah. The day I wake up and I don't have a purpose, it's going to suck. Like that's the worst. I can't, I can't imagine you that. To, feeling. You have
1: to have a purpose and how many retired people go back into the workforce for a second career or something just because they're bored. They're bored. They need something to do. Right. My grandpa, he's been retired for 20 years and he's been working three jobs ever since. Yeah. You know, and they're not like it just when he wants, it's what he wants he gets to, to do it. when just he to, wants. Exactly. How he wants it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you need to have the purpose and the point, and but it's to your to your point. There has to be a balance there. You have to live while you're alive. Yeah, and I think too often nowadays, people are hyper focused on their job because it's ne- it's necessary. They need mm-hmm. that level of income, or because they take and and this is a positive thing, right? They take such pride in their work, but they're not, um, they're not given the time to do it to the level they want or they should feel they should do it at their actual job. So for instance, I'll, I've called my wife out. I'm going to call her out again. She brings, or she used to, she stopped because I was getting frustrated. She would bring work home Mm -hmm. and she would do it off the clock. She's an hourly employee at her job Mm -hmm. and she does fantastic work, but frankly, she's underpaid for what she does and she takes such an immense pride in what she does that she's, unwilling to let anything fall through the cracks, even if that means she needs to take it home and do it off the clock. Mm -hmm. So she's working 40 hours a week at her hourly job and she's taking on all these responsibilities because they're short staffed or because they're unwilling to hire someone else to do it. And then they get frustrated when things fall through the crack. So she brings them home, does them off the clock and now she's working five to 10 hours a week at home off the clock. A that's just not right. And B what the fuck? Well, isn't it isn't that part of our it's a, it's a weird
0: part of our, our culture where we make our work our identity. Yeah. You know, so we base how we feel about ourselves on how productive we are, on what how much shit we get done. And and if there's shit that still has to be done, then we feel bad about it because we didn't get it done. And it, if, if it's at work or at home, it the work tends to take a precedence. And it's, it's a weird little mindfuck, I think, that we get into as, as like capitalists, eh? A, and, and like consumers, we, we always feel like there's always more to be done, there's more to get, like we want that next thing, and, and then when we go to work and we find a job, that it, does she, I'm assuming she must like her job. Yeah, she so loves she, what she does. Yeah, so when, when we feel lucky enough to, to find something to make a living at that we love, there's a part of it also that it doesn't feel as much like work when we bring it home you know and it's maybe maybe to to her case at the time she probably didn't even realize that it was it was affecting the family life because it was just what she it's you know it's it she was just doing what she thought she needed to get done yeah. you know right. and and it's like you know we all we all need that person in our lives that can say hey let's take a step back here because this is you know this is doing this is affecting things more than they, you know, more than you can see, you know, it's like someone that's going to tap us on the shoulder and just, you know, say, Hey, let's, let's chat about this for a second, because you're putting so much of yourself out there and then we're missing out over here. So we got to find a balance, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, because I think that if I was a single man, I would work 50, 60 hours a week, easy, maybe more because it's like, I love what I do. Right. And it'd be really easy for me to get up in the morning on Saturday and Sunday and just go to work, you know, because it's like, what else am I going to do? You know, it's rewarding. Sure. Sure. You know, and so like there are those pieces of our lives that are super rewarding that, that, you know, ask us to do something that we happen to be really good at and we really like. And so it's like, it's, it feels good. You know, it's, 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 it's hard. And then you got people like you mentioned where, you know, they have to do it you're working two, three, four jobs just to make ends meet, you know, then you're working all the time just to make ends meet. And I think then in that sense, maybe when, when that person gets to 60 years old, maybe it feels a little different, you know, compared to a person who gets to 60, who, who's working that much by choice and they've got a really great 401k and mm-hmm. all this retirement and everything it has got to be, I don't
1: know. Yeah. I mean, if you get to, if you've had, if you're, if you've had to work multiple jobs or even one job and just, but 60 hours a week just to get by. I mean, when you're 60, have you been able to get by enough that you've been able to save to support yourself beyond 60?
0: Right. Exactly.
1: So yeah, are you ever going to really retire? I mean, at no. some point, Social Security will kick in, hopefully, for you.
0: Well, you know, I take, okay. So take, um, people like so my mom when she was uh, when she was younger she worked she was a bartender for a long time and she got shit wages but she made most of her money in tips yep when when you're a person that that lives most of her life waiting tables when you're young you don't get shit for social security but it's like fucking 2 or 3 dollars an hour yeah. And yeah right now i don't know if that's going to change with the biden administration but if your bulk of your money comes in tips and everybody that gets tips knows you don't claim that shit on your taxes, right. you're not paying social security on that. Why the hell would you do that? Cause you're just robbing yourself. But when you don't rob yourself at the front end, you're robbing yourself at the back end without social security. There's a whole nother debate on whether that shit's even going to be around in 20 years, but yeah, there is. for now with my mom, with her social security, it's very minimal. You know, so is,
1: and this is maybe me, this is me being uneducated or naive, is your um, uh, benefit level, we'll call it, from Social Security dependent on, like, how much you paid in then? Yes, absolutely, okay.
0: yeah. Okay. So you'll get a letter as you get older. You'll get a letter in the mail. Used to, anyway. You might get a fucking email now. But it'll tell you... Like, at this point in your life, if you were to retire at 62 or 63, 62, I think the earliest you can retire right now is 62. But if you retire at 62, you only get a percentage of your, of your Social Security. And if you retire at, I want to say at 67, you get your full Social Security payment. So it'll say, if you retire at 67, you're going to get $2,600 a month. But if you retire at 62, you're going to get $1,200 a month. Okay. So... And it'll tell you that over the period of your life, as you get closer and closer to that point, how much money you're going to get. Okay. So if you, if you work a very traditional job that puts into your social security on a regular basis, like, like, especially like unions and, and jobs like that, like they're, they're always on point. But
1: unions are usually pensioned, right?
0: Yeah. Well, they're pensioned. You get pension and social security because you're always paying into social security. Right. That doesn't ever not happen.
1: Yeah. You are plus your employers. Right. Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So um, you pay your part, the employer pays their part. Um, and then once you get to that point where you can retire, like you said, you get, you can retire to a specific age and then you get so much of your social security until I want to say it's 67. By the time you and I are there, well, by the time I'm there, it's probably going to be 70. By the time you're there, it's going to be 72, yep. you know, but you know, the average age might go up by then. But you know what? This last year was the first time the average age of a human being has gone down. In, in, in the long world fucking or in time. the U.S.? In the U.S., average age of a, I don't even, I think just average age of life. Yeah. At life expectancy, that's the word I'm looking yeah. for. Your life expectancy has gone down. This is the first time in, in many, many years that it actually
1: has gone down. It went from, I think it went from 78 to 77. So does life expectancy calculate um, all deaths? So car accidents, yes, homicides, everything? everything? I or think it's g- everything. Okay.
0: Because I think there's plenty of people that live into their 80s. Yeah, you know, but it's the offsetting of of people who die when they're younger, and you know, all that. Because some people live and be, you know, a hundred, hundred five. Yeah, right, you know,
1: right. some people live fifty till 50. Right. Exactly. So, um, some people unfortunately,
0: but yeah. So you don't so that far either Connor, so. if you're listening right now, you and your buddies that are out there, and you're in college and all that shit. Um, when you got jobs that you can make a lot of money in tips, you're bartending or you have your waitressing or waiting tables and all that shit. Your social security does not build up when you're doing that. So. Yeah,
1: and I think if you're in a position to do so, that's you know just with that whole social security debate, that's why a an, a private plan even to offset it or to help supplement it is so big. Yeah, because like you said, I think and I I don't want to get into this debate right now, but I think things are going to just continually get pushed or the benefit's going to drop because it's not a sustainable.
0: The Social Security? Yeah. Well, okay, so not sustainable. I'm going to push back on that because how is it not sustainable when everybody fucking pays into this big lump sum all the time? Everybody pays into it. You say not sustainable as a sense. Do you mean that? You can't keep paying that much out to people who are retiring. Yeah, I'm saying compared to what's going into it. I'm saying,
1: and from the limited understanding I have of it, I'm saying that the payout for all those who qualify for it is higher than at on a long term level the workforce pay in. So at some point that bank is going to run dry, and I'm pretty sure. Politicians keep fucking taking money from it or extending it, even though it has it's a self supposed to be self funded. Yeah, it's I don't know I don't know how it works. I feel like they kind of treat
0: it like a bank does money, and they they invest it and try to use it for other things. You know, and then they go to pay it. They're going to pay it back. You know, as they get their dividends from whatever investments they're making in it. I think that's how it goes, but I'm not really sure. But when I think about the the sheer numbers of it, so you take anybody. You know, people, most most states, kids can start working at, what, 15?
1: I think 14 if you get a work permit.
0: So 14. Um, 14 to 67. You know, so you're talking 52 years? Yeah. Okay. So you got 52 years of working and paying into Social Security every paycheck. And then 67 to, to the average age of 78 is 11 years. Okay so so you're you're going to get paid $2500 for 11 years, $2500 a month if you take the 50 what do I say 52 years? Mm-hmm. 52 years of paying in you know however much a month over that it, you're you're taking it it's a five times compounded. Yeah. You know, so you're making
1: some assumptions there.
0: Well, you're, I I am assuming, sure. I'm just trying to do the math. Yeah. All I'm and, doing and is uh, trying to look at the math of it.
1: And uh yeah, and so I don't know. I don't know enough about the math to make, honestly, an educated uh, comment on it. I just know what I've heard, and what I've heard is that it's not looking pretty.
0: Yeah, I've, I've heard it too. I've heard it too. It's it's so hard to know what the fuck is
1: real anymore, it, though. It is, you know? and we would sound so much more educated if Bill would just step up and do the <laughs> job. You brought up Bill. You <laughs> were
0: the first one. Congratulations. <laughs> How Crosby? If,
1: if Bill was here, I'd have my five dollars from this Coke debate. If Bill was here, I could sound educated on social security. I mean So, you know <laughs> Bill, just the, the desk is here, my man. It's, At some uh, point there has to be a weekly plead or rag on Bill for not doing what we need him to do.
0: We just need a track. We just see we just need to it's Bill time. <laughs> so every every time we ask a question we don't know the answer to, we just we can just look th- towards Bill. Look towards the empty chair that Bill should be sitting in. <laughs> so, he's a loser. He's at home, he's probably sitting on his couch meditating right now while he's listening to this. Angry that our podcast
1: is going to come out on a Tuesday instead of tonight
0: he was a little sad I'm gonna say he was a little sad but when I explained to him the situation he was he was understanding he was he didn't agree with it but he was understanding no he was he was all good um but yeah so going to the so to the point of social security and there's I mean look at us I'm 43 you're 33 almost how much do we know about Social Security I don't know that much about it and I really should yeah you know it it's like I should the the conversation around retirement and social security and and planning for the future should be had like on a on a much larger level it's almost like when you turn 18 you, you should almost automatically have a, an account that opens up in your name. Outside of social security, because basically is what social security is. It was designed to help people. So when they do get to an age where they can't work, that, that society can, doesn't right. have to right. pay for them to live. Um, but there, it, it costs so much more now than social security can provide. Right. You know, I mean, you look at these, like the, the um, old old folks' homes. It's so fucking expensive. Some of these places are like five thousand dollars, seven thousand dollars a month. Wow. And and it's and it's um how are people supposed to afford that? Right. You know, and it's, and those are those are places I think that have a little bit more um assisted living, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where you have someone that's but at the same time, the amount of money that those things cost on a monthly basis, you wanna talk about something that's gonna drain somebody's retirement real quick. That's yeah. gonna happen fast in a situation like that.
1: Yeah. In fact, I, I think it's such an issue that they have um an insurance that people buy specifically for that. Like long term care, maybe is that
0: mm-hmm. insurance? Long term care is, that, is I the, it? I don't
1: it it there's an insurance with the mindset in place that um, it's gonna pay a, an X benefit if you end up having to go to some kind of assisted living.
0: That's pretty sweet. I didn't know that.
1: Well, I'm sure it costs ridiculous amounts of money. You're just paying for it ahead of time. That's what. Yeah. Well,
0: to doing. a degree, I mean. Yeah. It's uh, they're hedging a bet that you won't use it. You know.
1: I mean, here's the thing with any insurance company, it's a business. They're still in yep. business for a reason, and that's because they're making more than they're spending.
0: Yeah. So I think the, the the what we're trying to say here is, if you're a young man or a young woman, start thinking
1: about this stuff. Yeah.
0: Put your put your thinking cap on, kiddos. And uh and and think about taking two percent of what you make, only two percent right now, if you're in your early twenties yet. If you even if you just start with two percent of your annual income and just put it away into a four oh one K or an IRA, you know, just drop it in and just forget about it. Drop it in and forget about it. It's one of the best decisions you'll ever make. It will it will. Now in in some people's case it doesn't mean that like when you're when you're young and you you meet the love of your life and you get married and all that stuff and then sometimes shit happens and then you get divorced and then you got to start over. Yeah, but can't think like that. Nope, think positive. <laughs> think positive. Yeah, don't don't think about those things,
1: but you should a little bit. Yeah, I would say the I I appreciate the two percent, but. Do the most you can.
0: Oh, do the most you can for sure. But even if it's only two percent. Yeah. If
1: just something is better than nothing. Yeah. I mean And if your employer here's a here's a fun fact. A lot of employers match at least three percent. Like if it's a company mm-hmm. yeah, if you funded or a company, yeah. Uh you might as well take that like if, do if it, they're matching, 100%. Fuck, that's a free three percent
0: debt. That's free
1: fucking. And once money. that shit starts take getting it, taken out of your paycheck regularly, yeah. like you don't, you don't even notice it. You don't it. even notice it.
0: Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like when, so when I was young, I wasn't making dick for money.
1: Right. You're you making know, it's, $200 a right. paycheck.
0: So it's like, if I was taking 6% out of my $200 paycheck, $12. It, well, Ooh,
1: damn.
0: <laughs> Stephen Hawking <laughs> over here. <laughs> <He's>, Sorry. <laughs> that was awesome. So they take my $12 out of my paycheck. That 12 bucks, that brings me down to $188. Yeah, that's true. You know? So, but if it's, so if it's 2%, you just don't notice it. And if it's 3%, you notice it, you know, maybe a little bit more, but not that much. Just do what you can. If you start now when you're when you're 18, 19, 20 years old. That shit will add up. Big time. Um, Super big time. So we're. I got a text message uh, a couple days ago. So a um, little backstory: story. My, my wonderful mother lives in a little town of Pablo, Montana, and she um, She is, uh, um, she was recently diagnosed with lung cancer. And so right now she's going through her radiation treatment. She just finished up the first round. Um, She's got a little break. Now they're going to do some more testing here in a month. But so she kind of feels like shit, you know, she's not feeling very good. And she's like, you know, so she's holding down the couch a lot. And so I said, Hey, I heard about this sweet-ass podcast that came out on Spotify a while back. You should give it a listen. So I told her about this little podcast we're doing, and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. She didn't for quite a while. You know, we're on episode seven, eight. Eight, I think. Ep- this yeah. is episode eight, boys and girls. Um, she sent me a text message two days ago, and she goes, so I started listening to your podcast. She, this are her words. You guys are a hoot. <laughs> I can't wait to hear the next episode. Dude, when your mom sends you a text message hey, and said, Oh man, that made my day. I did it just put the biggest smile on my face to just, just to think about my mom sitting back, listening to me drop F bombs and talk about stupid shit. And she says we're a hoot, Kyle.
1: I I love her yeah, already. It's I'm gonna say this, Ike's mommy, if you're listening, you've raised one amazing <laughs> young gentleman. Uh, he truly is such a genuine and awesome guy. You've done a fantastic Aww. job. My heart goes out to you. I, I hope you your treatments go well and you make a full recovery. And I'll be thinking about you. And hi, I can't wait to meet you someday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lots of love to you, mama. Yeah, no, it's it's like as it was so cool, man. It was so cool. It's um, fun. It that is. Fun. You know the the relationship you have with your folks as as you get older, it always changes, right? And, uh, and there's always these different levels and you got a little baby at home sitting there and Sam's feeding the baby in the little plastic coat of spoon and <laughs> shit. And then you got your three-year-old and then, and then next thing you know, they're 15 and then they're 21 and yeah. And, and it's like going, going back to the guy who retired, like all his kids are grown, you know, and it's just a whole different world. It's a whole different house, you know, that you live in and you got to make that decision. Do you want to keep the big house? You know, do you, do we really need all this fucking house? Yeah. Just more to clean. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's more to think about, you know, it, it, but at the same time, I know what I think about it's like, man, it's like, if my kids want to come home, I want to have a place for them to, to be sure. You know, it's, it's, it's a weird place. Like I could see if my house was paid for, which is so far from being paid for, but if it was paid for, it would be an easier decision because it's not costing me anything. You know, it's like, I.
1: It, yeah, you're it, just paying property yeah. taxes and utilities
0: so that's easy you know that's that's that that would be a little bit more of a no-brainer it's like it's easier to clean or whatever if you know you're not paying you know out the out the rear to keep it but there's a point where you know i think when i get to be 65 70 years old i'm going to want to be able to be a little more mobile Mm -hmm. you know it's like i think i already told my wife it's like if one of my kids has a kid and i become a grandparent I might just have to fucking pack my bags and go wherever <laughs> they are because I, I shit you not, man. I—I I know it in my bones. The first time I see my grandbaby, I'm gonna lose my shit. I'm gonna be Niagara Falls. I'm gonna be crying all over the baby's face, and the baby's like, "What the fuck, man?" You know. And I'm just gonna be like, it, I, I'm gonna lose my shit completely, and I'm never gonna want to let it go. I just won't. I know it. I know how I was with my own kids. And just to think about a grandbaby, not trying to put any pressure on my kids because I don't want any grandbabies yet. Any fucker, just keep in your pants.
1: <laughs> but gentlemen, <laughs> don't pull the goalie till you're ready to win the game. All right. <laughs> Ooh, I've never heard that one. That's my hockey that's a, that's sex talk. A,
0: going down some hockey sex talk with Kyle. <laughs> that's going to be the new segment. We're going to have the segment hockey sex talk with Kyle. <laughs> What's the new wisdom you be dropping bombs on now? But no, man, it's like. I just know it. Well, you'd
1: be surprised. Maybe they'll move back to be closer to you. Maybe. That's yeah, what my well, wife and I did. Yeah. To be closer to... want to be the, closer to our family. Yeah. Now, I'll be... Uh, a, my parents wouldn't move. That's just a fact. And B, uh, my wife's parents, her dad specifically, wouldn't be able to. Um, He's got yeah. a, a medical disability, and he's he's going to be where he's at. And yeah. so we just wanted to make that effort to be closer to home. And this is home for us anyways, so...
0: Yeah, so how far how far away did you guys get from home? Just to Appleton,
1: so two hours. So you weren't out of the state. No, we weren't out of the state. It wasn't anything major. We, I've lived in, you know, here Baraboo, or Sauk County. Uh, We've I've been in La Crosse, but that was for school, and we lived in Appleton. But we loved Appleton, Mm -hmm. our little community. It felt you know, small town, Mm -hmm. but everything was just accessible. I could jump on 41 and I'm at the mall. I've got all these restaurants and now I liked it up there. uh, It was nice. It was
0: nice. It's, um, I think, yeah, there's a, there's a different feeling when you moved away in state or you moved away out of state. You know, I, I think when, um, when I moved away at, at 19, I left Idaho for for wisconsin you you know it's a it's over a thousand miles away yeah yeah. and uh you know i think about that it's like when my mom and my dad are are still out in idaho and montana actually in washington and montana now and i've got my kids in washington and that's a that's a little different than a two-hour push absolutely you know because it's a whole different life yep you know um not not that i'm not trying to diminish moving from Appleton back to, to oh, this area oh no you're area. not you're it's, not it it's um it's still it's still a, you still got to get a new job and you, even if it's the same community that maybe you grew up in the people are older and there's different people living there now and you just you have to reacclimate a little bit but it's still Wisconsin it's still yeah similar you know um so yeah it's it's uh we're such a mobile society now we can go anywhere you know, and families spread out even farther all the time, you know, and so it just, it's that much harder to stay connected with family. And so mm. to your point, it's like, I think about, so if, if, say my, one of my kids, let's just say, well, if it's, let's just say my daughter, she's 17 now, maybe she's 25 when she has a kid, but she loves it in Seattle. She loves it out there. So she's probably going to be out in that area living. And, and she, I don't see her wanting to move back sure. to, to Wisconsin. You know, because a she hates the winters here. Like she likes a little bit of snow, but fuck the rest of it. So, you know, there's like there's that there's a pretty good chance that you know if I want to spend time with my grandkids, I'm gonna have to fly my happy ass out there to see yeah. them. Well, and and also, how expensive is it to move when you're young compared to like like as far as your income goes? I mean, the the mobility when you're young, you're you you can you can run light and fast.
1: Yeah, you can pack everything in a U-Haul and you're gone.
0: Right. But, um, but you don't have like, you don't have a built up savings account. Right, you don't have right. funds to, to, to work off of. And your life skills, as far as like your, your uh, work skills, you know, I think as you get older, maybe you have more to, um, more skills to play off of when it comes to finding a new job. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: I think once you, once you have kids, maybe the mindset changes and I, and maybe not. You're right. Maybe not but at some point maybe. So I have a buddy who lives, he's lived everywhere. Uh, he's from here. He was my neighbor, his best friend growing up, and uh, he moved to Minnesota. Mm. Then he moved to Nebraska, got married in Nebraska. Then they decided with no friends or family to move to Seattle. He lived. They lived in Seattle. He had a little girl. His parents, I know, who both live in Wisconsin, um, they would have to sit there and plan this shit. They're, they're making flight plans and they're flying out. And, oh, every, you know, four to six months, yeah, we're going to fly out here. And they're separating holidays. Oh, this holiday we're going to fly to Nebraska. This holiday we're going to fly to Wisconsin. and do they, such- do they love it? No, they hated it. Oh. They hated all the travel. They hated all the, the logistics and being away from so far from everyone. So why did they do it? I don't know, but they moved now again, so now they're down by Chicago. So they kind of split the difference. <laughs> wow. So they're only a few hours from both families. At how, this how old are they? My age, so okay. early 30s. There, there's a sense of adventure still. I think that's my, that may be what it was. You know, it's like. Yeah, when they moved to Seattle, it was, you talk about that mobility. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a place. They didn't have jobs lined up. When they were on their honeymoon, they had their families come pack their apartment into a U-Haul, and when they got back, they got in the, from their honeymoon, they got in the U-Haul and they drove.
0: <laughs> hey, thanks for packing my shit, fam. Peace out. <laughs> Jesus, that's a, that's a, that's a that's a. I mean, that's gotta be as a parent, it has gotta be kind of a rough goodbye. <laughs> it's See,
1: like I think they drove out with them, but still, yeah.
0: Oh, they did drive out with them. At least they got the experience that like they did all the fucking work, and then they're like later.
1: Thanks. Appreciate the
0: help. Yeah, no kidding. Well, you know, so when I was nineteen, um, I was uh, I was going to college, and uh, I just started going to college when I was nineteen in, in Lewiston, Idaho, and I went to school for printing technology and graphic design. And then um, when I was twenty-one, after a couple of years in school and and being with my my wife at the time, um, she was pregnant with my oldest son, and you know, what kind of brought me to Wisconsin is a, it's a similar thing where, um, I was working for this printing company and, and I was making okay money. And, and, uh, uh, my wife at the time, she wanted to be a stay at home mom. And, and honestly, it's like, there's nothing more in the world I wanted to give her than, than what she wanted. You know, it's like, what, what uh, personally, what better life could you have if you can afford it and make it happen than if your mom wants to stay home and take care of you? Mm-hmm. So I went to my boss. I'm like, hey, you know, I've been here a couple of years, you know, and, and I've never asked for a raise, so this is my situation. i got a baby on the way, you know. It's like, it's what I want to do. And they said, okay. So they handed it hard for like two weeks. And my bosses were, they were kind of dickish, you know, like they were, like, they were Okay, guys, but they were all about pennies. They were always about the pennies. Like you know, the, there was a penny on the ground. They weren't going to step over it. They'll pick it up. And they pulled me in the office this morning. <clears throat> they said, "Hey, we've been talking about your raise. Like, oh, awesome! I'm like we decided we're going to give you a raise." I was pretty excited, right? The next guy above me was making twice as much as me, running running equipment that I was. Not proficient yet, but learning to be proficient at running. And then the next guy above him was making two and a half times what I was making. So it was like, I thought, man, I got some room to grow here. They gave me 13 cents an hour. And they said, don't ask for another raise for two years. And I just was, I was fucking stunned. I sat in the chair and I just stared at him. And he's like, don't you got something to do? Jesus. And I was like. Motherfucker. So I finished, you know, worked that day, came home, sat down with my wife, and I was talking to her, and it's like, well, this isn't going to work. And and where we lived in Idaho, timber was a huge industry, mm-hmm. but at the same time, as it was a huge industry, you know, word on the street is this timber's going out, you know, and it was like mills were starting to shut down, and there was a big lumber mill there um, in the town we lived in. And my whole family growing up, everybody worked in timber. They drove logging trucks. They loaded logging trucks. They cut trees down, everything. This is what, my, what fed, put food on the table when I was growing up. I also knew I didn't want to do it because it's hard on your body and it's a dying industry. And I just, like, I just want, didn't want anything to do with it. So that was really the only job option I had where I knew there was a lot of upward mobility to make better money without having to like, you know, this is about the time when people started going to Alaska to work in oil fields and shit. And I knew I didn't want to do that. So um, my ex-wife, she had family here in Wisconsin and they said, Hey, there's this big printing company here in Wisconsin. And, you know, maybe you should give them a call. So I called Perry Judd's printing company from, from Idaho. And I said, well, this is my situation. This is what I do. You know, and uh, to the guy's credit, right there on the phone, after a 10-minute conversation, he says, if you show up, you got a job. So, oh, man, you know how happy I was to (laughs) tell my boss to shove it. So, well, first thing I did is um, I sold him my old shitty snowmobiles. (laughs) I sold him the snowmobiles because he wanted my – I had a pair of snowmobiles, these old shitty ones. He wanted them so bad for a long time, and I would never sell them to him. And I wanted to sell them the snowmobiles before I gave my two weeks. <laughs> so Makes sense. I needed the cash. Yeah. So I sold the snowmobiles, and then I handed my two weeks in. And uh, we, um, we actually packed everything we owned into a horse trailer, a four-horse horse trailer. And we hauled everything we could fit in that trailer out to Wisconsin and moved into my ex-wife's grandparents' house for, for six months and just – you know, we didn't know anybody. The only people we knew were her grandparents. That was it, and thousand miles away, and it was like it felt so. It was we were free. We were just kids, sure. You know, and it's like we we left all of our family behind, and that was tough. I was gonna first. say, went,
1: especially especially when she's expecting.
0: No, well, no, when when we left, my son was six months old. Okay. So by the time by the time it all got put together and the pieces got
1: into place, okay, we, well then no yeah. different than with a six month old.
0: Yeah, it, it was, it was, but it was exciting, man. You know, it was like it was adventure, it was open road, it was this unknown, and uh, and we were at a point where we we were still trying to trying to make our way. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to make your path, you're trying to like carve out your fucking piece. You know, the pie, and and where's it going to come from? And it was super exciting. And of course, my folks were young, ish. You know, and so I wasn't worried about them getting older yet. It wasn't even in my mind. And it's like with my family, it's like they're all doing their thing too and trying to figure it out and and I just had this call to adventure. Yeah. You know. It's yeah. like uh it's like, you know, the 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 world is my oyster and and there's this opportunity in this far-off land that I really didn't know anything about and it's like why not? Like I'm young, man. I got my whole life ahead of me, you know, and it's like even and I've kind of carried that attitude to this day. Yeah, you have. Yeah, it's uh I love adventure.
1: I know. So I would you be willing to talk about your uh your adventure you had a couple years ago?
0: Yeah, man, for sure. I'd love to.
1: So and and I totally get the if my wife could go part-time, she would. Yeah. And I'd love to be able to do that for her.
0: You know, it's a it's a weird thing. I think um the two-income household is is just like it's it's become almost a mandatory thing if you're going to have kids. You if know? you
1: want, if you want any level of, um, what's the word you used? Expendable income.
0: <laughs> Expend, uh, yeah, it was uh, expa- Dispo- expandable. Expandable. That's what expandable, you said. Expandable. Yeah, yeah, that was my last that week. was my word. Disposable expandable. income,
1: and not even disposable income, but if you just want like some quote luxuries and by luxuries i mean do you want to go to eat do you want to right a vehicle that's not
0: yeah of course you can choose 10 years right you can can make those choices you know you can live in a cabin in the woods off the grid if you want to for for little to nothing yeah you know but you can make those choices but you're right you know if you want to have some disposable income if you want to have a car that you don't worry about breaking down if you want to be able to take your wife out to dinner and take your kids and put them into soccer camp and shit like that
1: And even with, and here's the thing, even with two incomes, especially our two incomes, like it's not like that stuff still comes easy. You still have to make a point to budget it and save for it and stuff, but it's possible. And that's the big thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, that it's a, it's a dream that you're going to make a lot you're going to make sacrifices if you want to have a one income household. Yeah. Because there's no two ways around it. I think in today's world, if you're lucky enough as a, as a young man or a young woman and you can find a career early on that pays really well and, and you happen to be, you excel at, where when you get to that point when you're having kids that that you can make that choice, um, I think if you have the opportunity, it's an amazing experience for, for a family and for kids, but not everybody has that opportunity. You know, some people will choose to do it later in life. I got friends of mine, they didn't, they they played their asses off until they were 30 years old, 35 years old. And then they had a kid, you know, and they made that choice. So they got all the fun, crazy stuff out of their system. They built their careers. You know, they went into uh, a, on a career path that's say, at 25 or 27, and they got a good 5 to 10 years built up into their career, and they started their retirement, and they got yeah, the good yep. insurance and all that shit. So when they did have a kid, they had more options because they would built a little bit of a buffer sure you know so if you have a kid when you're young it's a whole different ball game yeah you know? man no buffer <laughs> no man like when you have a kid when you're young it's uh i i remember when we had a kid when i was I, well yeah i was 21 years old and it's just like i on my 21st birthday my wife so my son was born march 27th so she is super pregnant super pregnant And I'm trying to be a stupid 21-year-old going out getting all smashed on my 21st birthday. Oh, yeah. And my pregnant wife was my DD. And you want to talk like, that's a bad look, man. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) My brother and I were bar hopping, crushing it. Like it was, it was 158, and we like order a pitcher, ah, you know, all this <laughs> tr- and then I turned around and there's my pregnant wife. It's like, all right, I guess I gotta go home. <laughs> it's like, so it's not a good look. It's not a good look, but as you know, it's just, that was a dumb kid, but you we know, ain't gonna do this <laughs> shit. But sorry, no, I apologize. I'm gonna say to put an apologize out there for being a dumb kid, but
1: I don't know what, yeah, are, what yeah. are you gonna do. So you want to talk about, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, you said. When you have kids, young or older, so we had our first kid at thirty, um, or I had my first son at well, no, I gotta fucking think. No, he's three. I'm not quite thirty-three, so twenty-nine. Yeah, but I we didn't want, and that's not young, but that's not old either. That's no. like a, yeah. kind of a nice. Meeting. I'd
0: say I'd say that's probably a, that's a probably a really nice age to, yeah, to and start so a family. What I
1: what I just didn't want to do, and nothing against the people in this situation, but I didn't want to be. The dad at his child's graduation, who looks like the grandpa. Oh yeah, that's that. I'm same, same. And and I, there's some there's some folks I know, and that their parents are just that much older than you know that mm-hmm. much older, and it's again no no hardship on that or no hard feelings. It's just I didn't want that. I want us. I wanted to be able to experience my child's life. As long as I could, and I wanted to see them grow older. And by the time they're twenty one, I didn't want to be on my deathbed.
0: Hopefully, yeah. I mean, twenty one on the deathbed is a bit of a stretch. I mean, I guess if, if you're, you're at seventy, if you're seventy, if you're seventy, but I mean, that means you're not having a kid till you're forty ish. You know, like forty five. Yeah. 50. So, um, I don't. Know. I just didn't yeah, no, want. I, I just I, didn't
1: want to be the old dad.
0: I, yeah, I totally, I totally understand. And you know, part of my decision thinking about having kids young too is it was a little it was on a selfish aspect was that when my kids got older and they came out and they were out of the house i didn't want to be old Mm -hmm. when they get out of the house i still want to travel and i want to do some shit you know and it's like i want to have a full active lifestyle are you selfish
1: i know well you know what you're thinking about yourself and your kids are no no one else is gonna do it
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I just, I didn't want to be that old when my kids were out of the house, you know? And it's like, and I, and you know, I look at like, um, my, uh, well, my, my stepdad, my, my mom's husband, you know, he's, um, he's almost 80. And when, when his youngest graduated high school, he was, um, in his late sixties. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so there's a, I, yeah, there's a point in life, I think that, you know, and I,
1: yeah, there, it's just. And I get everyone's situation is different, right? Like maybe you, 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 don't find the right person until you're older, and maybe in that way, maybe you sit here and him and ha like a big thing for us was are we, are we ready for this, and are we financially able to support a child, and and at some point you just like, fuck it,
0: man. You responsible for, son of a bitch. No, that's yeah. like
1: pull the trigger. We don't have time for this.
0: Yeah. And well, so, how, how many people pull the trigger? Not knowing they pulled the trigger. Yeah. <laughs> that's the other aspect of it having that's kids who are young. That's you know, true. that shit happens and then and then you gotta you gotta make that call. You know, it's like that's when you're like, okay, well this is it. Here I am. I'm I'm eighteen, nineteen, 20 or however old it was, and I made a decision. Yep. And you know, now I'm a mom or dad. And uh, you know, that I, f- I think that happens a lot. I know it happens a lot.
1: I, I do too. The the I don't know if I wanna say this. I'm, I'm not trying to be judgmental when I say this and I'm not um, looking down on anyone who's not in the situation and I'm not trying to predict your future. So I'm just going to preface everything I'm going to say with that. Okay. There are three indicators in life that will dictate success on a statistical level. Like if you look at successful people in a large scale sense, these three indicators um, were all, like common denominators. One, they graduated high school. Two, they didn't have kids out of wedlock. Three, they got a job and kept a job. Oh, so they stayed employed.
0: So high school graduation, steady employment, no kids out of wedlock. Correct. So, and those are, and statistically, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, you know, if you graduate high school, you get your diploma, it, it opens you up to more opportunities in life. If you get a job and you keep it for obviously. X, x amount of time, obviously you're going to have more opportunities to grow. If it's a job where you can grow, it's a grow
1: job. You're going to yeah. have more opportunities yeah. to to save for future or to build income. And then with the wedlock thing, I'm just going to assume it's it's probably based around possibly two incomes. I'm not sure. Well, I'm it, not sure where that statistic like falls.
0: I, I would think that would fall in a in like in, income wise. I think is is an obvious point where you're going to have Two two household incomes trying to take care of a baby, and and also it's support. Yeah, you know. So if you think about it, it's like if you've got two parents at home, if you don't have the income of a double income household, you have at least the support of a of a of a two parent household when you're raising a kid. Raising fucking kids is so hard, man. It's so stressful, and and what it takes. Yeah, and as a from a young person who's you're a kid raising a kid. Yeah, if, if like I know I was when I was twenty one years old. I didn't know shit from Shinola, and so when i was i was a I was a a child raising a baby and and so when i'm I'm learning about life as they're learning about life, and if you're doing that alone, holy yeah. shit
1: i I mean, fuck, even with two kids, I cannot imagine if I did not have my wife there and so that that's a huge strength and shout out to all the single parents out there who who do have to go down that trek alone. Oh my god. And yeah. and again, I just want to preface by me telling you those three things that's not me judging you or telling you what to, you know, people what to do or anything. That's just me reflecting on the stats that I've seen. So,
0: well, and and you think about the way a person's mindset is and the decision how we make our decisions. So, if you're a single parent and you're raising a baby by yourself, what's the likelihood that you're going to go ahead and put yourself into, into a situation where maybe you're not in, the, in a very good relationship just for the stability sure. of, of life? to, to like how many, how many relationships happen out there where, where, say, a single mom chooses a dude that's maybe not a very good dude, but at the same time, there's some stability there knowing that their kid's going to have food on the table every week and they're maybe going to get a better education and, and some stability in their life. They'll make that choice. Even though if it's maybe not the best choice for the
1: mom. Yeah. I think it happens yeah. a lot. Or the frankly the kid. Or or the kid. How many of the how well, many of the gentlemen do we deal with who the the dad struggles they deal with are from stepdads?
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, if to be a stepdad, and I can say this because I am one. I know. It's um it's a it's such a to step into the role. Of of a of a of a male role model or father figure, with a, a with, in a, in a kid's life, may you know their dad is maybe their dad's still around maybe they're not it's 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 tricky so you got some of the kids that we work with here at the club where their dads are around but they don't see him much or their dads aren't around at all or they they get split fifty fifty time mm-hmm. with their dad any any kind of step parent situation. It's like it's like you're 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 at the you're leaning over when <laughs> when you first get into this situation, it's like you're MacGyver. If you don't know who MacGyver is, look him up. He's a badass. You're 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 looking over this little bomb, right? and there's a red wire and a blue wire and every fucking day <laughs> you don't know which wire is the wire you cut to shut the bomb off you know it's like you don't want to say the right thing you don't you don't but you don't want to push too hard but at the same point in time you want to you want to show them that you love them and you're there for them even though they're going to tell you to fuck off maybe because you're not their dad or you're not their mom it's it's a it's a it's a um it's a situation so fraught with anxiety and pressure and stress to step into that and so kudos dude Kudos to, to to men and women who step into a role as a step parent in situations because step kids, when it comes to like, I know my step parents, when I was a kid, I didn't want a step parent. Mm-hmm. I didn't want somebody else in my life. I didn't want them. I didn't ask for this shit. You know, it's like, and I'm sure my kids would probably say the same fucking thing when I, when I got remarried, I didn't ask for this shit. Who's like, what, what do we need them for? We got us. We're good. You know, yeah, we've got our own yeah. thing going on. And all of a sudden I've got to share my time with my mom or dad with this new person. This fucking sucks, you know, because you're a kid and you're selfish and it's all about you. And you don't realize that maybe your mom and dad want to have a little bit of a life of their own. <laughs> and, and they want someone to snuggle up with at night too sometimes that's an adult. And it's 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 just such a tough spot. So on both ends of it, it's um it's such a hard situation and it's so common now. Yeah, you know it's like, well, and that's where I think so. There should be step parent classes.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe I don't. know.
0: But maybe I was I was be. gonna
1: say. Um, I was trying to bring it back full circle of uh, on parents who get themselves in a situation where maybe they are a single parent. and you were mentioning they have to make a maybe a less than ideal yeah partner choice. Yeah, I think that puts the bad onus on step parents in those situations because I'm. Like in your case and in I'm sure millions and millions of cases, there's amazing step parents. Oh, out yeah, there. absolutely. There's people who take on these stepchildren and they love them as their own and mm-hmm. they give them everything they, they possibly can as a normal parent would. But then there's also how many cases where, as you were alluding to, a parent just needs some support. They maybe get into a situation where they find a partner who is not that great step parent and and the child suffers for that.
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's such a tricky it's such a tricky thing and I think I think maybe fifty years ago when divorce is a little bit more rare um and and women women didn't have as prominent a role in our society that that situation existed even more um because because you know let's face it women' have come a long way and society's come a long way of in in bringing women more into acceptable like a real place at the table in the workforce, and 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 so, you know, they didn't have as many choices 50 years ago. Sure. You know, and so when it came down to it, it's like, you know, my mom was a waitress when she was younger, and it's like being a single mom as a waitress trying to raise kids, that's that's next to impossible. You know, you're you're making two fifty an hour, plus you're gonna get however many dollars an hour in tips, and you're supposed to have a reliable car, pay for an education, pay for a house, put food on the table and 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 then maybe have a fucking life on top of it that's like you want to go to dinner sometimes that's oh that's that's it it's brutal it's yeah. just brutal so it's i I when I say that it's it was probably more common fifty years ago than it is today because I think there's more options out there and thank God there is thank God there is I'm so grateful. That our society is just beginning to come around, and and in this uh, women hold a, a much higher place in our in roles in our society because we need that. Um, oh, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it's a, speaking of people who step up as a step parent. You know, we talked about that the videos, YouTube videos and stuff earlier. If you you want to get a good cry, it makes me bawl my eyes out every time I watch it. There's these videos where. Um, these kids will ask their step parents to adopt them. Oh my god, dude! Every fucking time, this water waterworks for me. It's like, cause you see, and fairly fair fair enough. Oftentimes, it's a stepdad. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like, will you adopt me as is, you know, be my dad? And uh, when you see these these big tough men or whatever, not even not all of them are big tough men, but you see these guys that. Stepped into roles as a, as a father figure for for a, a a a young man or a young woman that didn't have that father figure in their life, and they they took them on as their own, and then and then uh, that child recognizes that there's something about being a dad and and being honored for being a dad and and being honored for being a role model that like when it, when it's in your nature. You have zero expectation or desire, really, even to be acknowledged. When it happens, you just break. You know, there's just a little piece of you that just cracks open. And, 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 and it's like, it's just such a beautiful, amazing thing. And so if you want to have a good cry, if you're out there listening right now, look up these videos of, of dad's when their 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 stepkids ask them to to adopt them and they give them the paperwork it's like usually it's the dads at the table and they've got this manila envelope and they're like oh yeah you know the mail came today and we got this thing you know and the dads like oh yeah whatever you know sitting there and open up the manila envelope and they they pull the papers out they start to read and all of a sudden it's like they just stop like they're frozen in time their eyes don't move off the paper and you can see their hands start to shake just a little bit and you see the people in the background just watching and and like, and all of a sudden you see like a, like their eyes well up and they can't even talk, and it's just such a powerful thing. Like being being a parent is is the hardest thing in the world, but it's also the most rewarding thing in the world. There's nothing better than knowing that you helped shape a good human being, you know, and and to, and to see that firsthand for somebody that that didn't come from your blood whoo baby that's powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. It's, it's pretty awesome. So if you want to have a good cry, check it out. All right. (laughs) I cry a lot anyway. So that's when I see shit like that, I'm a, I'm a crier. My daughter ever listens to this. She'll be like, Oh yeah. My dad, we used to sit (laughs) around and watch. I used to watch, uh, we sit around and watch American Idol. And like when American Idol was, was first coming out, they'd have these stories about these people who came from nowhere. And, uh, and my daughter and I would sit there and watch American Idol videos on YouTube. And fucking, I'd just be bawling my eyes out just because I'm so happy for these people that can sing this amazing song and get people to feel beautiful emotions. And, and they just came from this really hard, broken life. And it's just like the culmination of all this beauty blowing out into the world. is like, yeah, it gets me every single time. I'm a sap.
1: That's all right. You can be a sap.
0: Oh, yeah. I own it's my sap, man. Yeah. I own it big time. Everyone needs a good cry. Heck, yeah. Hey,
1: why don't we... Go have ourselves a good cry and uh, come back, and then we're going to talk about your your
0: adventure. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not crying in the bathroom with you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> just taking a <laughs> leak. <just. That's> a <laughs> different, Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, I'll expel okay. some liquid, but it's not going to be crying. <laughs> you crying because it hurts, you crying because <laughs> of emotion? <laughs> if, it's, if it's hurting, you need to see the doctor. That's all I'm <laughs> going right, to say. We'll be right back. Yeah. So we're just, yeah. So we're back. So we're, Hello, 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 we everybody. We are back. We're back. I'm getting adjusted over here in my chair, getting my my wiggles out, as I used to say when my kids were little. There you
1: go. Um So let's uh Okay, so a couple years ago, you went on an adventure. Was that yeah, that was a couple years ago. Two years ago? Three years ago. 2017. Oh fuck, has it been that long? It's been that long, man.
0: It's pretty it's
1: so, so we, would you mind? Yeah, I was hoping maybe you could talk a little bit about that, and and either you can talk about just the the experience and what you did, um, or if there are certain emotions or reasons behind it, I that that part I don't know.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many things about that that we could talk about. Um, if we could talk about it for fucking five episodes, probably. But um, I guess we could just start from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, can give you like a. Uh, we'll just do like a, I guess we can do a high level, and then if you got any questions or whatever, we'll dig into a little bit. Um, so, uh, back in the day, um, my ex-wife and I got divorced, and um, she decided that she wanted to move out to Seattle, Washington, and um, so my kids at the time, they were like. Miss her mom they want to spend time with her, and they wanted to check out Seattle. And so they, they said, "Dad, we're going to try going to school out in Seattle." And um, it's like, all right, so, you know, uh, to put it into perspective, like if you're a parent and and you're raising your kids and and that they're at that age, that whole middle school and elementary school age and. They're developing so much, and and you don't ever you don't want to miss that, right? You don't want to miss that that developmental time that you don't want to you don't want to be away from your kids at all, anyway. But I was I was away from my kids, you know, Um, and and now they wanted to be a couple thousand miles away, and so you know we kind of I lived with it for a while that way. Um, it was super hard, and. Uh, um my my uh current wife and I were talking about it and it's like well you know like i said i've always had a call to adventure yeah so and, and she's the same way so it's like well maybe we should just maybe we should see what it's like out there you know maybe we might like it you know and and i to be perfectly honest i really had never ever in my life wanted to live in the pacific northwest I've I've heard, I had heard it's beautiful out there, but I also heard it fucking rains all the time. And it was just like, ah, I, you know, and I really like Wisconsin. I had a good business here. You know, there's all these different things going on. But so, uh, basically one day we just kind of just kind of said, fuck it. You know? So, um, we, uh, we're like, we're just going to put our house up for sale. And if we sell it, we're going to, um, Sell everything we own with it. We're gonna buy a little camper, and we're gonna try that 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 van life, camper life, kind of yeah. living on the road. You know, it had, there had been the trend had just started happening, the whole van life trend where people were living out of their RVs or whatever, and and uh, you know, and to be fair, a lot of them were consultants and shit that they could live on the road and work on the road and all those things, which I was not, and my wife was not. She's a photographer, and I was a landscaper. So we had this idea that we were going to we could, you know, travel for a little bit, find a place to hang, work for a little bit, travel for a little bit, work for a little bit and eventually get out to the Seattle area to see what it was like and to be closer to my kids. Um so we put our house up for sale. Um we we literally sold damn near 95% yeah. of everything I we own. Um, we uh, we had, so we had all these different options. It was it, so there's there's something about going on an adventure, right? Is the preparation is really fun, you know? Because you get a plan, you plan for all the different aspects, and you you know it's like you you buy all the all the cool shit that you got to do to get ready. So first we we're looking up all the different designs, and I had a I had a Toyota Tundra, and I'm like, oh, we can do the the you know living in the you know the back of the pickup, you know, with the topper and all that shit real fast i'm six foot four 220 that shit does not fly it was it was now to put it into perspective it was myself it was my wife it was a 10 year old and it was a wiener dog there's four (laughs) of us and and the and like the first time we we laid a a piece of carpet down in the back of the toyota tundra pickup truck and laid down it and went yeah, this ain't going to work. <laughs> this is this is too minimalist. Like there's no way. So we scrapped that idea. So then my wife had a Yukon, right? She had a GMC Yukon and uh, at the time um, REI was selling these uh, Oh, I won't remember the name of the company that makes them. It's a, it's a it's a rooftop tent, yeah, yeah. you know. So we're like, oh fuck, cool. Get one of those rooftop tents. That'll be badass. You know, you're up off the ground, you're away from bears and shit, you know. And <laughs> you know, it's exciting to think about all the details. So we we bought this rooftop tent. It was a huge investment. And uh and so we we set it up on top of the the um, SUV. You buy the, the the rails that go across the, you know, the roof rack rails mm-hmm. and all that stuff, and you set it up and you get the ladder up there and we we get up in there and we're trying we're there's a foam pad that goes in the bottom and it's, it's kind of a, it goes up in about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And then we get up there and we're laying in there and it's like, okay, it's pretty comfy. You know, you're up on top so you don't lose the storage from, from the inside of your vehicle for all the rest of your shit. It's like, this could work. So we set it up and we left it out in a rainstorm to just be like, what's this like in the middle of inclement weather? Cause you know, that shit's going to happen. Right. right. So we're sitting in there and, and like, there's there's something to be said, A, for a little bit of privacy when you're on the road, you know, and you're living out of your vehicle and it's and there's three people, you know, two adults and a child and a dog. You know, there wasn't much elbow room in there. And then when the rainstorm hit, the fucker leaked like a sieve. Mm. And it's like, if we're in the middle of nowhere, sleeping on top of a, our pickup truck or our SUV, and there's rain... Seeping through on all of our shit, and it's I don't, you don't want to deal with that. Like, you, it, there's got to be some level of like comfort involved, or the or the road trip's going to be over real fast. So we scrapped that idea, and what we ended up doing was we um we bought a slide in camper off of Craigslist or marketplace, one of the two <clears throat> that slid into the back of this old 2000 Chevy long bed pickup <laughs> truck we had, you know, and it was like those old brown and tan camper style, you know, it was probably from the eighties for sure. And it had that, uh, that like cream brown and kind of reddish. You remember that, that fabric on the, on the couches (laughs) and it had the green for Micah table, you know? And so we got that and that seemed a little more doable because there was a queen bed over the top of the cab, you know, so there was room there And then, you know, it had like a little stove and had a little heater and all that shit in there. So it was pretty fun. You know, it was, we got that, brought it home. um, I bought a solar panel for the roof so we could have some solar, which solar's fucking, it it was such a bust. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you gotta, it's a small solar panel. You gotta really have a lot of solar panel to charge much of anything. Did it cover the whole top? It it didn't. Okay. It didn't. It was only, it was only like maybe 36 by 36 oh, okay you know so you had a little bracket on it you mount it to the roof you know and it's like somewhat weatherproof yeah you, you know? need
1: like four of them
0: you need a lot yeah you need a lot of 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 solar energy to really soak it up to, to create a difference you know so it was that was kind of a bust but um so we got our our, our vehicle set up all the while trying to sell our house and while, you're, while we were selling our house, we're selling all of our shit, too. And there's something so freeing, I got to say, to purge. You know, we live in these our houses, and, and it doesn't take long at all to fill up a house full mm-hmm. of shit because it's like, oh, there's an empty corner. A, a lamp would look right over there, or an end table would look over there. Look at that wall. It's empty. We need to put a picture on it. You know, we just fill it and fill it. And, and every single day when we go to fucking Aldi, one of my favorite stores is always like new little knickknacky shit that you can buy to fill your house with. And, you know, remember, um, Marie Kondo, something like that. She did the, uh, does it bring joy to your life? You know, you ever heard of that? No. She did this book where it's like, if it doesn't bring joy, get rid of it. Something like that. I think it's Marie Kondo. Um, and so it's like, you take an item in your house, um, And if you've had it for X amount of time, you pick it up and you put it in your hands. It's like, does this bring me joy? Why do I have this thing in my house? Sure, sure. And if it doesn't, you fucking pitch it. So the the idea, and it's true, the premise of it is that the less things you have to clutter up your life, the more it frees you up to do other things. It frees your mind up to think about other thoughts. It's less stressful because sometimes what I learned, not sometimes, one of the things I learned in this whole purging process was that I I got to a point in my life where my stuff kind of owned me more than I own my stuff. You know, I had a fishing pole and I was always really busy, but I had a fishing pole. So fuck, I should go fishing because I have a fishing pole. But like when I would go fishing because I have a fishing pole, I was doing it because not because I've been thinking about fishing all day. It was because I had it and why have it if you're not going to use it? You know, it's like when um you uh uh you get a bread maker, you know, you get an air fryer, you get all these things that come with owning the house and and the gadgets and gizmos and, and, and pretty soon um um all of your stuff that you have, it dictates what you do because you have it, as opposed to have waking up with a clean slate every day, what sure, am I gonna do today? Sense. Does that yeah. make sense?
1: So That's how I felt about when I had a moped. Yeah? Yeah. How so felt like I had to drive the moped because I have it. Right. But do you know how inconvenient it is to drive a moped? <laughs> like it's fun, but when you you can't go grocery shopping with a fucking moped. It's Odd. hard
0: I've seen it. I, I'm not saying it's not impossible, but you'd have to base your entire life around it. Yeah. 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 So so yeah, exactly that point. You have these things. That, that are fun and cool, and you invest money into. And once you make that investment into it, you feel like you need to use it, even if you don't want to. It's like, well, I've got it. I need to use it, just like your moped. Yeah. It's, it's, so as we started to pare down all of that stuff that cluttered up our lives, it started to feel so good. And it, and it, like I felt lighter, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we sold everything literally everything. everything. So, we broke it down to I think we had four or five totes full of photos and um, important paperwork and documents and then, like, some things from like from our kids that, that we wanted to save. There were keepsakes. But even, like, the keepsakes, right? So I think you told me this. When you got your own place, your parents had a box of shit that was yours. Yeah. They gave it to you, right? So, like, my kids, every single one of them made a clay pumpkin, what, in in school for Halloween, right? And it's a little clay fired pumpkin, and it's got their little names scratched in and stuff, and it's broken a couple times, and you glued it back together, and it was this thing. But you never look at it. No, it probably a, just sits in a tote. It it sits in a tote. It's wrapped in a in some newspaper, you know. And it's like, well, I can't throw that out. And my my child made this. My child made this. I can't let go of it because of what kind of parent lets go of something that their child made? And it's like. What the fuck are you gonna do with it? What's the point of having it? You know, it's like all it does is take up space. So you got a you got a storage room full of shit that's just taking up space. So the next time you buy a house or the next space you look at to move to, it has to have a big ass storage room to put yeah, all your shit. And here's a fun fact: your kids don't want it back. They don't. <laughs> if you're listening, did you want that box of shit that your parents gave you when you moved out? Hell, no. It doesn't it, it's like what? There's a few things. It sparks a memory, yeah, and it feels good. It's, it's, I, I will say, it's fun to go through that stuff. When you open up the box, it's like a little flood of memories that comes back. I get that. But at the same time, it also is something that weighs you down, and it maybe holds you into a place that, that you've moved on from. Sure. So there's a level of freedom that comes from getting rid of your shit. Um, so it felt great. Long story short, we got rid of all of our shit down to a few totes and some other things we stored at a friend's house. and and we hit the road. And one of the things we learned when we hit the road was um, when you when you're gonna do something like this van living or whatever you want to call it, you don't want to have cheap shit. You want to have stuff that that works really well that's not going to break, that you don't have to replace all the time, that you don't have to fiddle fart around with. So when it came time to like picking the items that we took with us, we realized like, and obviously we weren't young at this point, but you, you know, it's that whole adage, you get what you pay for, Yeah. you know? So that's a point in time in my life when I really started to really invest into high quality things that I know I'm going to need in my life that are going to last a long time, that are going to make me have so much less stress when I use them. You know, we bought a Yeti cooler. Yep. Right. This thing is never going to break ever. The handles aren't going to break. It's going to keep our shit cold for days and days. It's amazing. It weighs fucking 500 pounds because they're super heavy, but you could drop it out of an airplane and you can go get your sandwiches out of there and they'd be fine. It's like there. it's, it's bulletproof. It's, it's an amazing cooler. I'll never need to own another cooler for the rest of my life. Guaranteed. No shitty, sorry Coleman, no shitty red and blue and white Coleman cooler that the hinges are going to break. Someone's going to sit on top of it. It's going to cave the lid in. And next thing you know, it's going to be sitting in the garbage can and it's another piece of plastic going into a landfill. I learned at this point, this is when you invest in good shit, Mm -hmm. you know? So um, it was a, a... I, so many things happened at this time period, but yeah, that was another part of, of, um, of the process that I learned was uh, getting rid of all the shit that, that wasn't essential and then, and then the things I did keep and the things I did have, I made sure that they were really high quality and something that was going to last me a long time um, because it's, it's a little bit easier not having to think about all these different things in your life. So we sold all of our shit. God damn! It's so, like I said, there's so many tangents you can go with this, but we sold all of our shit. We sold our house. What a day, man! What a day. So, so, so yeah. What was the
1: first day we're like, we don't have a house?
0: It was fucking so. It was so weird, man. It was so weird because so we we pack all the stuff in the camper. The for sale signs not on the house anymore. People are moving in the next day. All of our stuff is totally gone. You say goodbye to your family and your friends. You have a little party in the backyard barbecue or whatever. And then you just drive away with the intent of possibly never, yeah, I never moving that back. It was. it is it's it so first off, I cried a lot. I was sad because I had all these amazing people in my life that I had come to know and, and come to call my family. Um, and saying goodbye to them wasn't easy, but at the same time I was so excited. Like I said, the call to adventure, like to, to hit the open road and to, to not know what's next. It's, it's like, it gets me all tingly, you know, there's (laughs) just like a feeling that's like, Ooh, what's next? You know, it's like, uh, 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 it's like when you're, when you're walking in the woods and, and, and you've never been on a trail before and you don't know what's around the next corner. It's exciting. You know, you want to keep going and you want to keep going to see what's around the next corner. So that's what it felt like. So you're driving out of town and, and we, so what we did is we went straight to Canada. So the first day we left, I don't even know what time of day it was, but I know that we made it right up to the, um, to the Canada border. And so the first night living on the road and and we didn't even do a trial night in the camper in the backyard. You know, like where you sleep and you yeah. get up and you make breakfast. That's one of those things I think we probably should have done.
1: A little uh, test run, <laughs> yeah, like
0: a little test run. Like spend a couple days, even with even in the in the back of the truck, living in the backyard. You don't go to work in the morning, but you don't go in the house. You know, it's like yeah. you you, you got to figure out how to do all your shit just out of the back of the camper. So we um, spent the first night and the first thing you do is all the perfect things that you stored away in your camper and you organize in a way that makes sense. You learn real quick that everywhere you put it didn't make any sense because that's not how it's going to get used. You know who gets up first in the morning when you get up first in the morning, I was an early riser. And when, when I'm camping, I'm up at like five 30 in the morning. Well, my wife and my stepson, they don't get up till like fucking eight, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, I get up at five 30 and, and all of a sudden, it's like every move I make shakes the whole fucking camper. The whole truck is moving. And so it's like you wake people up. Sure. You know, so you figure out a system on, on when you get up. How do you quietly get up? Well, that means I'm sleeping on the side of the bed that's closest to the door. So when I want to get up and get out of the camper and, and you know, do my thing, I'm not waking them up. It's a little side tangent. So as a husband your wife's tired she's gonna sleep in in the morning and you get out of bed are you like super quiet you close the door real quiet you get you know you get dressed you just you don't want to wake her up
1: i try and be yeah oh she, she gets up before me a lot
0: though okay does she do the same for you i be honest because this cl- is this is a fucking thing be honest she claims yes but i would argue not it's it's total bullshit so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a weird fact, but it happens to everybody. I know it's like, it's like as a dude, it's like, and, and I'm, I don't know if it's sexist or not, but I'm going to say it. You wake up and it's like, okay, so you don't want to wake up your wife. So I, for me, I'm being trying to be quiet as fuck. Like yeah. when, I, when I'm crawling out of bed, I'm like using my elbow to slide myself off the side of the bed. I get over to my dresser. It's like, okay. So where are all the clothes I'm going to wear right now? (laughs) So I only have to open up only a couple drawers. So it's like, okay, I slide open the drawer nice and quiet. I get my shit out of the drawer. I close it, but I don't close it all the way because I know there's that loud click that happens when it closes all the fucking way. And then the dog's in the bed too. So I get my shit and I'm walking out of the room and I'll close the door, but I won't click it all the way because I'm probably going to wake her up. It's like, I don't want to wake her up. I want her to get her sleep, you know? And then like... If She's got to get up in the morning early. Say she's like, wants to go to the gym or something. Cause she's got a busy day. Fucking gets out of bed, rolls out, slams a fucking dresser drawer, swings the door open, flips the hall light on. Yep. And it's blazing into the bedroom. And it's like, what the fuck? Yep. Like, what is going on here? Are you serious? And it's like, I don't know. It. I don't know why I, uh, I don't understand it. I just don't. And it's like, <laughs> maybe because secretly men are afraid of women.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, so our our bed, like our headboard, it shares a wall, and on the other side of that wall is a like a, some of our kitchen cabinets. Oh, nice! And so there will be mornings like <laughs> cabinet door, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? In yeah, there? it's like, or I make it a point. So we're lucky enough that we have um a bathroom, like a master bathroom. Mm-hmm. It's just a little three piece. It just has a shower in it or whatever. Yeah. But if I'm gonna get up and it's still dark, like I will walk into the bathroom while it's dark close the door stand in the pitch black and then turn the light on yeah no light comes on eventually the door might close but it's yeah yeah. and if it does it's gonna be loud as fuck
0: (laughs) i swear to god i don't know what it is but it's a thing man it's like i don't i don't understand it so we've got like our our headboard our bed faces straight at the bedroom door and and our hall light is super fucking bright Mm. and it's like a it's like a a spotlight shooting in right right Mm. at the bed you know, so you can't sleep if it's dark out and this hall light is on. Like it hits your eyelids and it's like, "Whoa, what's that, mom? It's time the sun's up. What's going on?" That fucking light comes on and it's like, "Oh, fuck!" And it's like, maybe shut the bedroom door, please. <laughs> it's like, and then the bathroom door is like blowing the hair dryer and yep. shit. And it's like, "Oh, come on, please!" And this funny thing is, I've never said this to my wife ever. I've never, I, so I have. I've never mentioned this ever, but I was just thinking about
1: it. It's like it's it's a fucking real. thing I've asked her. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, are you mad that I'm still sleeping because you are loud as fuck? <laughs> she goes, no, I'm being quiet. I'm like, no. bullshit. No, no, no.
2: <laughs>
1: if that's quiet,
0: and, and you know, and you need her, you're hiding from an, a, an intruder. You're fucking dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it ain't happening, honey. So yeah, you need to work on your ninja skills a little bit. <laughs> that's funny anyway it's a funny thing so so back to like when I get up at 530 in the morning they're sleeping till late I'm trying to be super quiet right and say okay so at 530 in the morning if I get up at home in a house I can close the bedroom door Mm -hmm. I go downstairs to the kitchen I make some coffee I can read an email I can read a book I can read a magazine whatever it's not fucking cold outside because I'm in my warm house right when you're in a camper and it's a one room camper. Yep. You're not turning all the lights on. You got I got a little headlamp that I put on dim. Pull my pants on nice and quiet and I try to gather up all the coffee supplies so I could go outside in the fucking cold and make my ass a cup of coffee <laughs> and sit in my cold lawn chair in the fucking dark drinking coffee because I got nothing better to do. And I'm
1: camping. Yeah. So you got nothing better to do, so you know? You you wouldn't go like in the cab of the truck and fire the bad boy up no (laughs) just opening
0: up the cab of the it shakes the whole thing so you got to realize every movement you make even the good ones shakes the whole fucking works sure everything you do every you roll over in bed and it moves the whole thing here's a funny story we're sitting in montana and and we're at this little i don't even know if it's a campsite it was like a pull off or something we're sleeping there for the night and uh um in the middle of the night, it's like the the whole fucking camper's moving, and I thought that my stepson got up to go to the bathroom or something. He's up walking around, and it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Just go to bed. I didn't say that, but it's what my mind is saying anyway. So anyway, we wake up in the morning, and uh, we're talking and stuff, and we go into town, and we get a coffee, and the lady at the coffee shop says, oh, did you all feel the earthquake last night? It's like, <laughs> the What? Said the earthquake, you know, there's an earthquake last night, right? And it's like, there was no earthquake. I didn't feel any earthquake last night. And then we look over and there's this fucking building that the roof is half caved in. And it's like, what? There's a motherfucking earthquake last night. We all looked at each other and it's like, oh, <laughs> that wasn't. We all three of us thought it was somebody else just getting up, around, just yeah. moving around the camper because that's we're used to that feeling. But the fucking camper was actually shaking in the middle of the night from the earth nice. it was like one of the first earthquakes I'd ever felt in my life. And I was kind of disappointed that I wasn't like aware sure. that it was an earthquake. Cause like when you feel an earthquake and you know, it's an earthquake, it's like, Oh shit, it's an earthquake. It's like, it's an acknowledgement. But if you're, I was half asleep and I just, I was, I was kind of pissy about it. Cause I'm like, God, why do you do it up? Just go to the bathroom and get it over with. Um, but yeah, so I, what I ended up doing is my routine would end up, I would get up, um, way earlier than everybody else and and i would have all my coffee supplies set out the night before so then i would take it outside to the picnic table wherever we were sitting at the time we sometimes we just have our own table and chair set up mm-hmm. and i'd make some coffee and then i would just go for a walk you know wherever we were so we uh we use this website called freecampsites.net. so we were boondocking most of the time Saved us a ton of money because campgrounds can get pretty expensive. Um, and uh, we would, um, you know, sometimes it was like at a, a, like we would boondock in this area this kind of like a residential neighborhood that was in like a parking lot somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would get up and I would just be like taking a walk through this residential neighborhood. It's 6 o'clock in the morning and I'm wearing a hoodie and people don't know who the fuck I am. Mm-hmm. And I just could only imagine people looking out their windows going – Cause I would walk around this neighborhood like three or four times just to get some m- movement going. So like I just wanted to move my body, but there wasn't really a place to go. So you walk by the same <laughs> house like three times. Like, uh, hello nine one one. I wondered how many times people would just see me walking around, going, God, some creepy dude walking down. He keeps walking around the neighborhood. I, I don't.
1: I think he's scoping shit out, but. Well, especially when you pass it a couple times. Yeah. Like, maybe the second time, like, oh, yeah, he's just coming back through. But then the third time, you're like, uh, what are you <laughs> doing there, dude?
0: Yeah, it was – I I always got strange, like, see, even if I go sit in a park, right? Sure. So if you're in a, in a neighborhood area or a city that you're not from and you go to a park, like, most of the time, if you frequent a park, you get to know the other people that frequent the park. And so you're a guy that – that people don't know, right? And so then I'm sitting there on a park bench, and I'm drinking my coffee and just hanging out, enjoying maybe some early morning sunshine and and uh, letting my family sleep in a little bit and I don't want to sit outside the, the fucking camper. And uh, and so people would just kind of kind of look at me a little out of the corner of their eye, like, I don't know this guy and I'm pretty sure I've never seen him before here. And, and the three people I asked about him when I was around the other end of the park, none of them know who he is either. <laughs> he doesn't have a dog with him. So just sitting here watching, right? Who's this? Who's this guy? You know, and so there was a lot of times when you'd have that that feeling of being in an area that that you know you kind of you kind of don't belong. But on the whole, I'm I'm a
1: fairly friendly dude. Once you
0: talk to me, but most of the time, yeah, I was know. gonna
1: say you're not the Midwest nice, are you? What do you mean? Well, were you the Midwest nice? Did you say hi hey, to everyone, wave at them, acknowledge? You know, them?
0: I I did most of the time, but but in that situation. It can be, like, it can take people back a little bit. Like, I I don't know this person, so they're going to give me a weird look and say, hey, good morning, how's it going? And there's, you know, plenty of times where people would be like, oh, yeah, hey, good morning, you know, and and maybe even sit down and talk to somebody. But um, I would say better than 50% of the time I would say hello to someone, and they would just kind of be like, uh, give me a a trepidatious, like, sideways look. Like, "Uh, yeah, good morning, I'm watching you. You know, kind of one of those things, like, I'm going to go home, and I'm gonna tell my wife about you because I'm gonna to go to work and, and I'm gonna tell my wife, hey, there's a dude in the park. If you see him sitting there in an hour, call me, let me know. <laughs> like, this is some creep,
1: this creepiness going on here. So, there's a few times when that would happen. What is it that when it, like, when you make eye contact with someone that you have no idea what, who they are, even if you're just walking past each other, the urge to just say,
0: hello? <laughs> oh, well, there's the difference between eye contact an urge to say hello. If you look someone in the eyes,
1: there's like a if I look if I look at someone in the eyes that I don't know and I'm passing them, I uh, feel the I, I have to say hello. Oh yeah, for sure. Because if because
0: if you're just staring at them in the eyes, that's fucking That's weird. Well <laughs> it's 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 a threat. You know, that's why they either they say you don't look a dog in the eyes if it's a if it's a dog you just don't know because it's like you're asserting dominance. So there's this thing, I don't know if we talked about this before where that I learned through my men's group that when you're looking at having a conversation with somebody, if you look into their left eye, it's a little bit of a sign of of like you're you're engaging in a in a dominant fashion into the conversation and you're you're fully in. But if you look at them in the right eye, it's a it's a little more passive. And so um when like my tendency is always to look somebody in the left eye when I'm talking to them because it means I'm fully in this conversation, and you have all of my attention. And and like I've, I've never, I guess when I think about it, I don't ever really look anybody in the right eye, but there's a, um, looking at someone dead in the eyes is, a uh, uh, it's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's, um, I, I think it's a, it's like a, uh, it's, it's from our, our genes in our, in our like old DNA. that comes back from the days of hunter gatherers and, and like being animals, you know, that, When you look at somebody dead in the eyes, you're engaging a, like, part of their fucking soul, you know?
1: Yeah. See, my problem is I can only, like, you can only look into one eye at a time, right? No, you can
0: just kind of look like you can just kind of like all right. I can, I can forehead
1: you like I can. That's stare what I'm your saying. I can, but you you know it though. But yeah, when someone's looking you in the eye, because their eyes do this little beep 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 beep, this back and <laughs> forth thing because I'm trying to get both eyes, and so I feel like you can see me like switching between no, your eyes. No, You can't tell. Oh, I can tell. You can tell when I when I move. From no, eye I can to tell eye. that I'm switching eyes. Oh to
0: sure, eye. but I can't from from the distance we're sitting at right now, which is a perfect six feet. We we do use a tape measure socially distance. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's 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 an interesting thing. Like if you um if you asked two complete strangers to sit across the table from each other and stare each other in the eye, the amount of like if you put a uh like a EKG thing on somebody, yeah, this, could you the, the stress, yeah, I can imagine what that would read off. It would probably be going through the roof. Even with somebody you know, there's still an uncomfortability but you know them well enough, like, especially if you're having a conversation, but if it's silence, you yeah, just to stare at someone. Yeah.
1: I think they've done like video experiments on that. Like, they just pull people off the street and like just sit in the room and look at each other. Once. Yeah.
0: There was this woman. She was a, a performance artist and she sat in, uh, it, was a, uh, it was a museum in, um, fuck, it was in Europe somewhere. Um, she, uh, uh, her art, as a performance artist, she sat in a chair for, I want to say, it was like eight or ten hours a day. She didn't move. She didn't move her hands. She didn't move her feet. She could blink her eye. She could smile or whatever. She didn't, nobody ever talked, but she would just stare at the person across from her. And, and the, the experiential art of it was that anybody could sign up to come sit across from this woman and sit and stare at her. And people had so many different reactions and, and emotions just sitting across this woman because when she looked at you, she almost like held you with her eyes, you know, like um acknowledged you, um, made you feel like you were relevant. It's it was a strange thing. It's like she's a very powerful woman emotionally and and uh um People would would come across this and sit across this table from her and stare her, and it, they would just break down into tears. <laughs> like um, it was a like a profound moment to just take somebody in without words and just to say, "I see you," and 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 I acknowledge you. It's a uh, it was really powerful. There there was a I watched a documentary on her and and she she had a really wild life leading up to where she was, but, and, and, and to be fair, some of her performance art, like it got a lot of criticism because it's like, there was some strange, I don't want to say strange. It's like things that, that aren't in the mainstream that she did as performance art that was really hard to understand why anybody would want to do it. But in this specific instance, thousands and thousands and thousands of people signed up just for the opportunity to sit across from this woman, and you could sit as long as you wanted. Now, there's some um, there's some social pressure there because there's people waiting in line, right? Right, but um, you could sit as long as you wanted, and as long as you didn't do any wild, crazy motions or anything to try to like disrupt her and and her being, you just sat there. Then, then you could sit there as long as you wanted. Um, it's interesting. It, it's it's a I would recommend it for people like. Who are interested in the human psyche and emotional connection. It's a um, it's a great little documentary that shows uh, you know how how fragile we can be and how strong we can be in that way. So yeah. Anyway, I don't know You were in Ottawa or er, well, Canada border. we were right on the Canada border, yeah. So um, we uh, you ever you ever crossed uh, the Canada border? Yep. You go through customs. Makes you nervous. A like even bit, even, yeah. even when you haven't done anything wrong, it makes you nervous. Like like they're looking at you. Like it's like um, it, it's going through TSA is a little bit similar, but going through a border crossing is a little bit different. Like when you go f- what when you go from the U.S. to through to Mexico border, it's like whatever. Like they don't give a shit. But when you go into a country that like is really checking your shit, they don't you know, it's it's different. So we go we pull up to the border and we're all I'm all nervous. Like I'm I'm like getting a little sweaty. It's like uh, what am I sweating about here? You know, it's like what what what's what do we do? Nothing. So we pull up, we get to the window, and the guy's like, Hey, how's it going? It's like it's fine. He's like so uh we're gonna ask you a few questions here. And he's like stone cold faced, like detective looking dude. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's looking me up and down. He's like, passports, please. Hand him the passports. And he's you know, it's like they'll look at the passport and then they look at you with that look, like, hmm, what are you trying to pull past us right <laughs> now? And it's like and and me and I'm like, honestly, I promise I'm not doing anything wrong. I just want to visit Canada, <laughs> you know? And so he pulls our passports and he's looking through the passports and all this stuff and, and you, and we're waiting. And all, then all of a sudden you're paying attention to all the other cars around you. And if they're going faster than you, it's like, Oh, something's wrong. Right. Or you see someone get flagged. Right. You see, you see the, the, yeah, they pull over on yeah, the you see the officer yeah. and he's like, okay, sir, I'm going to, you know, he'll, he'll take the, take the car next to us and be like, we need you to pull over here and we're going to inspect your vehicle. It's like, Oh shit. Wonder what they're doing wrong. You know, all these things. Right. So they inspected us. And it's like, fuck. So they pull us off their side. And now they're gonna be nice. They can be like, oh, it's no big deal, you know. We're just gonna take a peek around. You know, we'll be in and out in a couple minutes, no big deal. You guys could just wait right over there. They're being nice because they don't they don't want to put you on high alert if yeah. they find something, right? They're they're not very nice at the beginning when they're checking your border. They want to mean mug you to see if they can get you to react. But then once they pull your car over, they're gonna be nice because they don't want you to react and do something stupid. So we're like, we're, we're walking. It's me and my wife and the 10 year old stepson and, and our dog. And we're walking out like into this little field grassy area. And we're like, Oh, we're like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> never been inspected before. They take forever. And I'm like, mother fuck, what are they doing in there? You know, it's just a little truck camper. Finally, they come out and they're like, sir, can I talk to you for a second? It's like, What? what the fuck? Shit. What did I have in there? You know, they pull us off to the side and, uh, um, he says, uh, did you read the sign when you pulled up to the board of Canada, sir? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, sir, you are not allowed to bring contraband across the state or across the, the, the line into Canada. And I'm like, okay. And so, I turn around and there's this little pile of firewood. Oh. <laughs> it's like a little bundle of firewood. It's like, sir, I need you to carry this bundle of firewood and go put it in the receptacle. You cannot bring firewood across the the, the line. I'm like, thank you fucking God. It's just firewood, right? I look at the receptacle. It's like 300 yards away. They're going to like like parade my ass in front of every <laughs> other fucking person coming across the border just to make a point. If you bring firewood over here, you're going to have to walk the walk. walk. You know, it's like to walk a shame. So here I am with my my $5 bundle of firewood that I had bought in, in Wisconsin. Throw it in the receptacle. Get back in the rig. And they fucking, like they took my stepson's duffel bag. And they took all the shit out of it. And they just left it. Really? Yeah, there's fucking clothes laying around. They opened up our cooler. They didn't close it all the way. Like, our cabinets were open. They tossed it like like an LAPD detective looking for a crime scene. Like, you know, it's like they're looking for clues to a crime. And I was like, fuck, man. You guys are supposed to be Canadians. Like, aren't you the nicest <laughs> people in the world? You, get, you know? It's like I was really unimpressed with the after process of, like, just put the shit back. You know, it's like all you got to do—you don't have to fold the clothes, but at least stuff it back in the bag. Close the cabinet door, for God's sake! But they didn't. I was just like, anyway. So I was—it was an experience for sure. Like, welcome to your road trip. Like, this is like—it's real now. So yeah, we got it. We got across the Canada into Thunder Bay. The first thing I saw um, at the at, at Thunder Bay was so. Can In Canada, gas is expensive as fuck, mm-hmm. super expensive, and they sell it by the liter. So, Canada fishing is huge, right? There's yep. so much fishing going in Canada. So there's all these dudes with trailers full of gas cans driving into the U.S. to fill up their gas cans to drive back across the border of Canada. And there's so many gallons or liters that you can come across the border with legally. Okay. So every single day. These guys go fill up their gas cans in the U.S. and bring it back into Canada and fill it up in the U.S. and bring it back into Canada just to, you know, just because it's cheaper that way. Same with booze. Like uh, there's a really high tax on booze in Canada. So they'll come across the border if they live near the border and they get as much booze as they can get and they take it back to Canada because uh, it's a lot cheaper. So it's I I learned like all the different, you know, little ins and outs of like in a border town, right? I guess, right. you know? Um, so then we, uh, uh, we traveled into Canada and it's, I think it's Ontario right there. Um, and it was, I want to say like June or July, maybe June, probably June. Um, and Ontario is like, there's like nothing there. It's just lakes and, 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 and like, I don't know, I felt like there was three roads and, and a whole shitload of lakes and and very few towns in between. So when we went into, we drove for miles and miles and miles to try to find a place to camp or whatever for the night in Ontario. And it was, it was beautiful. I really wanted to see a moose. I was so excited about yeah. maybe seeing a moose because you, you do, you drive by so many lakes, but there's only like, you just get on one road. You know, it's like, I would assume it's because of all the lakes, there's not a lot of crisscrossing roads to get from A to B. Sure. there's just one road, it's a two-lane road, and you know, that's just the way you go, and it's a long way around to get to wherever you're going. Um, So driving through Ontario was, uh, we made a pretty quick trip of Ontario just because it was, yeah, it was pretty bleak. You know, there wasn't a lot going on, and, and uh, when it came like places to camp and stuff, it was... Uh, um fairly minimal. I think we did our first boondocking trip in Ontario and it was, uh, we just drove way up into this on this, like kind of like a, a DNR for service kind of road and camped up in the mountains. And, um, and when we kind of, we finally kind of, my mouth isn't working right now. We kind of found a rhythm after the first couple days of figuring out, um, exactly how our camper worked and how we worked in it. Sure. You know, um, you can only have one person standing in front of the stove. And then if you're not standing in front of the stove, you're either sitting at the table, you're sitting on the bed or you're standing outside. There's just like, it's a, it's a small camper. And to that point, I couldn't stand up in it fully either. I'm six foot four and the camper was probably six foot two. So I always had a little kink in my neck wherever Mm. I was standing in the camper. um, so we uh, uh, we get in a camper and it's it just there's not a lot of movement right. in, in the small. camper and it's and it's it's designed that way. You're not supposed to do your living in your camper. Um, you just you know you sleep in there, you store your shit in there, maybe you eat in there, and if it's raining or something. But most of the time, the idea is to be outside. Um, so we're kind of finding a decent rhythm of the camper. We learn you don't cook bacon in a camper. <laughs> Cause it fucking smells like bacon for a month afterwards. It's like the grease and everything else. It's just, it's messy and it's smelly. So, so we learned that, um, we did a lot of our cooking outside when we could, just because Mm. it, it was just like, it was so much easier. You could move around easier. You could set up your whole cooking station and it didn't make the campers like, you know, when I wake up in the morning, if I smell bacon cooking, that's a pretty good smell. When I go to sleep at night, if I smell bacon, it's not <laughs> as good, man. It's like there's something about going to sleep to the smell of bacon. It's like you get over bacon pretty quick. Um, and also cooking, you really, you really learn like there's only so many foods you really want to keep on hand. Like this is what I'm going to eat for a while. You know, we have bacon and eggs in the morning, maybe some pancakes every once in a while. You know, we, we made a lot of like uh, those, those quick package soup meals and oh, stuff because yep. they're dry. You can store them. You don't need refrigeration for them. And, you know, and it's like so uh, your, the cooler space, because it took a lot of LP to run the fridge, most of the stuff we kept cold was just in our cooler. And we just, it was a Yeti, so it stayed cold for a long time as long as you weren't opening it all the time. So we could keep milk and eggs in there for a long time. So that's basically how we kept most of our cold storage was that way. Now, granted, sometimes when you look up van life, you look you see campers and RVs and they're decked out. You know, refrigerators, full size fridges, stoves, showers. We were not that. We were we were living that life on a tight, tight budget. Mm-hmm. You know, we had so many miles to go on on X amount of dollars, knowing that at the end goal, wherever we landed, we need some uh, a good chunk of money in the bank to get us going wherever we just started. Because you know, you got to get a job, you got to get a place, you rent whatever you're gonna do. You need that that, that nest egg. Yeah.
1: So the the road trip portion of this was like essentially the vacation to get to wherever you ended up to where you assume, I'm assuming you thought you were going to stay. Correct.
0: Correct. Yeah. It was, we, we always had it in the back of our mind that we knew we might come back to, to Wisconsin, but the goal was to not, you know, the goal was we live on a shoestring. We, we spend the summer traveling and doing fun shit on a shoestring budget to get to wherever that end goal might right, be, you right. know, and we had a few places picked out that we thought we might like, um, you know, we, and so it's like, you know, we had them kind of dotted out. We're going to visit this place and kind of, we're going to spend, instead of spending a night at this place, we're going to spend three, four days, maybe a week or two there just to get a feel for it, to see if this is where we want to stay. Um. So, yeah, so we, we, we had a pretty tight budget going through there, you know, it's like I had a laptop, Stephanie had a laptop, and we would kind of try to find, you know, uh, if you found a cafe with an internet, that was a premium, we'd go in and order a coffee, Gavin had an iPad, so he could uh, hook up and play some Minecraft or something, and we could, you know, do a little bit of research about, so, when you're living in a camper, every day, about 3pm, what we did was, okay, that's about the hour where you got to decide where we're sleeping tonight. Mm-hmm. How far are we going to go? You know, you don't want to be driving into the middle of the night to set up a campsite. That sucks. You know, it's like it, when it's dark out, you're setting up a campsite and it's like if you are actually camping camping and you you're going to put up the, the, the rain fly and the awning, and you're going to put your picnic table out and all these different things. You don't want to do that in the middle of the night. So we'd always, around 3 o'clock, try to figure out where we're going to stay for the night. And we were pretty loosey-goosey about it because we had we were using this free campsites.net uh, website, and there was always a lot of options. Trouble is, sometimes when you get to that point and you're looking for an option, and it's like, oh, there's only one nearby And there's reviews on the, on these free campsites from people who stayed there before. And this one, I remember we, we, uh, we said, Oh, we found the marker. We drove to it. It's like, it's a little pull off into the, this little wooded area. And it was off of a highway, not a main highway, but it was, you know, well enough use. Like you would still hear some cars now and then. We pull up. It's like, oh, this is a pretty nice little spot, you know. Let's check out the reviews. And we look up the reviews, and this one review is like, "Don't camp here. You're gonna get robbed." <laughs> 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 it's like, then it goes on to tell the story about, oh, everybody said this was a great place to camp, so I stayed here one night. Next thing I know, somebody's ripping a hole through my tent, and they robbed all my shit in the middle of the night. They they like took everything. It's like, so don't, don't do this. And so, okay, now we got to figure out another place to stay. So we'd hop back in a truck camper and we'd keep driving to wherever we end up staying. But we got to a point where we we dreaded the three o'clock. Mm-hmm. Where are we going to stay tonight? Because after so much time on the road, you just really get, you know, that's when you fight when you get to that when we got to that point where we where we got tired of the where are we going to stay tonight. Then we'd pick a place to stay for like a week, you know. And so in Canada, here's a kind of a cool thing. So um, in Canada, their, their parks and their campgrounds and everything, they're all mostly really nice and well-kept campgrounds and parks. So what we would do, because they always had showers, right? Um, uh, and they, they're, they had uh, two coins, a loonie is a dollar, and a toonie is is a $2 coin. Okay. Right. Yep. So we had loonies and toonies. So we always had these loonies and toonies and, and like a, a whole ashtray full of them. And uh, um, we would go into the campgrounds under the guise of we're looking for a campsite. So we'd pull up to the, the office and they say, Oh, yeah, you know, do you have any openings? And they're like, Oh, yeah, we got a few openings. Like, do you mind if we go in and check it out to see, you know, what the sites look like? And like, Oh, yeah, go ahead. No problem. So we'd pull in and we'd just go to the showers. Pull up in front of the showers, throw in a loony or a toonie and you get get your showers and, and you know, get cleaned up and all these things and we try to do it really quick, you know, and so there was always like there's a there's like a, the men's and then there's a women's and then there's the family showers and so we just all split up, boom, and we'd take off and we'd all get showers and we'd get it done really fast and then we'd all come back to the camper. So you're all fresh and clean. I get a shave in and all that and then um, and then we'd bolt. So that's how we kind of were able to get our showers on the road still living on a shoestring, <laughs> is we would just kind of... I wouldn't say steal them because we paid for the showers, but we weren't paying for the campsites. Sure. Like, if you went to a truck stop, which I never did that once, because something about truck stop showers, it just... No thanks. Yeah, I just... No, no offense to truckers. I'm sure, like, there's plenty of them that are nice, and that's what you got to do, but no fucking thanks. Like, it just, like, it, it's a truck stop. I didn't want to take a shower to a truck yeah. stop ever, man. So that's how we... You know, that's how we we uh, we did our showering and stuff was you know on the road like that. Um, and then every once in a while, well, like I said, we'd find a place we'd stay for a week, and then we'd usually find like a nice campground. Sure, you know, they had a nice shower. We could get up in the morning. they like, like, it's so funny. And I, I, I'm, I'm really curious. Five ten years from now to have to sit down have a conversation with Gavin to see what this was like for him. What it was like because he didn't want to go.
1: Yeah, and he was what, 10 at the he time? He was 10.
0: He was 10. He wanted nothing to do with this trip whatsoever. He's like, nope, don't want it. The whole time. It's a whole different story, but holy shit. Traveling with a kid on a long trip with that does not want to travel, fucking hard, bro. Like, can suck the wind right out of your sails on yeah, certain I days. Bet. So, um, but I'll like we get to these campgrounds and he would just like You know, you'd look across the way and there's someone camping. They got some kids. So they just start hanging out, you know, and all of a sudden you meet these new friends, right? And you meet these other kids. And sometimes the kids he would meet would be like, uh, no, he can't come in the camper. (laughs) I I don't know if anything, he might walk out with something that we find important. Um, And then other kids, it's like, you know, they'd come over and like, I remember there was this one, this one campground we went to. It was really fucking cool. It was in Canada. And you, you drive into the campground, and it was um, this big bluff. And right at the top of the bluff, you look out on the bl- over the bluff, and you look down on this beautiful lake. And it, it was just gorgeous, just absolutely stunning. And so we're camping there, we're going to be there for a few days. And we set up the hammock and the tree, you know, and it's all just very idyllic setting, beautiful sunsets. And Gavin meets this friend of his. It's this kid. And they're playing and stuff, And and Gavin's like, hey, we want to – can I go down and play with, let's say his name's Freddie. I'm going to go down and play with Freddie. And I'm like, yeah, see you. You know, like I remember when I was a kid camping, if I met a kid, my parents would be like, thank fucking God. <laughs> see you later, you know, if, come back if you're hungry. And so I was like, yeah, see you later. And Stephanie's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you don't know that kid. Like, no, but what, we're camping. in the woods, you're playing with rocks and sticks and shit. What are they going to do? And she, she's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, it, trust me it's fine. He's going to be okay. He needs some time with some friends and we need some time away from him. Like just, let's just enjoy this. He's gone like half an hour. She can't handle it. She's like, I got to find him. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where he is. I'm worried. She was worried sick, mm. you know? And like, he's fine. Trust me. He's fine. It's like, oh no, no, no. And I'm like, okay, let's go find him. So we walked down. And here's him and this other two kids, and they all got handfuls of fucking snakes. Nice. <laughs> it was the fucking coolest thing in the world. And he's like, "Mom, check it out. Look at all these snakes. And she's like, oh, my God, what are you doing with those snakes? <laughs> he's like, isn't this cool? And this little girl, she's got, like, snakes crawling around her shirt and on her head and on her arms and in, in, like, her pockets. She's pulling frogs and shit out of her pockets. And I'm like, this is amazing. This is why we're doing this. One of the reasons is, like, how awesome was it to expose him to this whole different world of these kids that like catch snakes and frogs all day. So a- after that, every time we stopped someplace, he wanted to catch snakes. He was like this whole different kid. It was, it was the coolest thing. And so like moments like that were like, oh, it's just playing the highlight reel. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: yeah. just playing the highlight reel. So you... So you spent some time in Canada and then I'm assuming you'll obviously, I know the story somewhat. So you made your way back down to the States.
0: We did. We, we came in and out of the States a few times. We spent a lot of time in Canada when yeah. and we can, uh, we was can
1: there definitely. ever a time when you're in Canada thinking, Oh, maybe we'll become Canadian residents. Fucking absolutely. Yeah.
0: Oh, we, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. We talked about it. Um, we were, we were over in, uh, I think we were staying in Jasper national park. Okay. This is North of Banff. Um, Jasper's so gorgeous. Um, and we were camping out next to these uh next to this other camp and this couple and the dude he was from he sounded just like Arnold Schwarzenegger it was pretty cool he was like you identical he's from Austria and he was a Canadian citizen and it's like okay so how did you become a Canadian citizen he says it's the hardest thing in the world to become a Canadian citizen and this is before the pandemic mm-hmm. them fuckers don't want us they don't want anybody you have to prove that you're going to be an absolute Beacon to society, like you're going to provide. He had to prove that he was going to be able to make so much money and pay so many taxes over a certain period of time. He fit a professional profile. It costs like thirty or forty thousand dollars. It's 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 a the process to become a Canadian citizen is really really difficult, and so it takes a long time. You can live there, and, and it, as it should be, as it should be. It's it's kind of like living in the states when you get a visa or a green card or whatever. You have to go through the process. Theirs is more stringent than ours, and so you can live there for ten years. And if you haven't met all the goals that you set out to meet when you move there, you gotta leave. You know, it's so, it's um, but totally, man. Like Canadians are awesome. Yeah, that they're, they're the nicest people in the world. So you talked about like we went back in the states the first time we went back to the states. We're driving through this little town in Canada. And we're in the pickup truck camper, right? And we're driving down the road and and we pass. So we've always kind of been in love with camper vans. You know, like the the, the camper van is is a really, it's really the ultimate because it's a pass through to the cab, right? So you don't ever really have to get out. With the pickup truck sliding camper, you got to get out of the cab of the truck, walk around the back, get into the camper. It's it's disconnected. With the camper van, it's really nice because it's all connected. So this freedom of movement is great. You get up early in the morning and you want to hit the road. You crawl out of bed, you crawl in the driver's seat, and you go. It's really nice. So we were driving down the road and we saw this. You gotta look this up. It's a 1978 Ford Okanagan. Okanagan. Okanagan, right? It's a Canadian-made Ford camper van. And it was like the shit when it came out for camper vans. I'm six foot four and I could stand up in the middle of this bitch without without my head hitting the ceiling. So, it had burnt orange. I'm gonna call them racing stripes, but it's like the stripes down the side were burnt orange, and they were. It was. Yeah. It, you got it up on there, like that. Oh, buddy, that was my van right there, bro. That was my <laughs> fucking van right there.
1: It was legit. So, so for the view for the listeners, Okanagan, O K, A N, A G A N.
0: Yeah, Ford Okanagan. Dang So we're driving down the road And there's this Ford Okanagan For sale On the side of the road in Canada And We're like Whoa Look at that van That's so cool You know So we st- We're like We stopped Just to Because we like Looking at shit You know And so we got nothing better to do So we stopped And we're, pulling, we're kind of Poking our head around You know And and the dude That owns the van He comes out And he's this big Burly dude with this huge beard And his name is Tark <laughs> T a his name is Tarek T a r e k okay but his he calls himself everybody calls him Tark awesome man. Tark it's a fucking cool name I always said Tark if you ever listen to shit dude first off he's the first person I ever saw with that tattoo of the tree line you know he had it around his calf so okay. it was all the pine trees but it went all the way around his leg and I'm like that's pretty badass I'd never seen that before in my life you know what I'm talking about no. like it's a it's a like a pine tree okay. But it's a whole tree line that goes all the way around this calf. So it's like if you laid it out like a piece of paper, it would look like a, sure, you know, yeah. like a, a drawing of trees. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, he comes out and he's talking about this van and he lived in it for three years and it was his baby. Like you could tell, he loved this van just about as much as he loved his kids. And he's like, "Oh yeah, and this and that and it's great. And I'd spend all this time in here. And it's like, it was a cool fucking van." And he wanted 4,000 Canadian for it, right? Which was like 3,200 US at the time. And it's like, in my mind, I'm like, eh, cool van, dude. We got it, you know, we already, I'm, I'm good. We got this thing going on over here. And uh, my stepson, Gavin, he's like, he's in love with this thing. He's like, this is the coolest thing. We have to buy it. We have to buy it. We have to buy it. I'm like, buddy, we ain't buying this fucking van. So we all... Pile back into the truck after meeting Tark and his family and talking about his van for an hour. We're driving down the road, and my wife, and my stepson, they're like, they look like someone just shot their <laughs> fucking dog. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, well, it's just such a cool van. And, you know, just imagine what we could do with this van. And it would just be so awesome if we had this van. You could stand up in it, and there's so much room, and it'd be so great. And I'm like, we're in the middle of fucking Canada. With our own pickup truck and camper, what are we going to do with a van? And there's like, what? And we talked about it. Talking. Finally, I'm like, fuck. So we're 20 miles outside of town and I pull off the side of the road and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, we need to talk about this because this is obviously a fucking thing. We need to decide, like, are you serious? You really want this van that bad? I'm like, it's a cool van. I'm not going to deny that. It would be sweet. But what the hell are we going to do with two vehicles in the middle of fucking Canada? hmm it's like, well, I don't know. We talked and talked and talked, and it's like, and we kind of worked it out. It's like, okay, so if we did buy it, we could drive back into Montana because my my mom lives in Montana, and we weren't too far from the border. I mean, we're a couple hours on, on north of the, you well, know, maybe a little farther than that. We're like eight hours from my mom's place in Montana, so we're like, okay, we could drive both vehicles into Montana. We could drop off the pickup truck in the in the slide in camper in Montana, put it up for sale, put it on Craigslist, and if we sell it, great, and my mom could send us the money, and then we could just carry on with the van. And so I'm like, well, fuck it. Let's just go see if what we can do. So we drive back. Um, uh, he was actually he was asking forty five hundred uh Canadian. So we drive back to to town and we pull back into the driveway and and here here comes Tark out the front door with this big fucking shit eating grin on his yeah. face and he's like you love it don't you and it's like yeah man so he had taken if you look at the pinstripes on this on the one you pulled up there was a section of the pinstripes that he um he kind of he cleaned off and he stenciled in Van Gogh so he called it the Van Gogh which is pretty fucking cool like it's like it already—it had a name, mm-hmm. man. There's something about it. It's got a fucking name. That means it's got an identity. Like it's got a fucking soul, right? And so we're checking out the Van Gogh, and it's like, okay. So now I'm like checking out in earnest. I'm like, okay, so what's the engine like? What situation we got here? What's the problems with it? Does the fucking heater work? Does the refrigerator work? He's like, oh, yeah, man, it works. It works. <laughs> it fucking didn't work. <laughs> and so – but we were so fucking excited, right? You know how fucking hard it is to transfer money from a bank in the U.S. to a bank in Canada. It's impossible, is it? It's fucking impossible. It's it's the most ridiculous thing. And their bank in Canada was like it was like a Wells Fargo or something, but you couldn't do it. It was like it was it was next to impossible. So here's the thing: it was it was really close to um, Canada Day, which is July second and then, or July 1st, one of the two, and then our Independence Day, which is July 4th. So there's this holiday coming up, right? So we're talking to him, we're like, okay, let's see if we can figure out how we can transfer the money. We settled on 4,000 Canadian, 3,200 US. We're going to buy it. We made a plan. So we're, we're hanging out in Tark's living room. And Tark's wife's like, Gavin giving him Mountain Dew, and he's playing video games with their kids, and we're just sitting there shooting the shit, and they offer us food, and we're hanging out, and we're trying to make this happen. They're the kindest people. Kindest people. It's like it was so awesome, and the lady, the Tark's wife, cut hair. So like people were coming and going into the living room, getting their hair cut, and they're talking about whoever else's bullshit from down the street, and there. And it was just like it was just this little snapshot of life that like you you just don't experience that, you know. It was just really cool. So we're trying to work with the banks, and we can't get anything done, like nothing. And we it's like uh, Venmo or PayPal. Well, so. With PayPal, Probably I think there limits. was a limit. Yeah, Venmo. Would I didn't even know Venmo existed then. Um, and then uh, and then so it was like okay, we or there's like Western Union. Western Union is fucking expensive when you're talking about that kind of money, right? So we're like, okay, well, we're gonna go into town and talk to a bank. And so we went into town to talk to the local Canadian bank. Um, and. The lady's like, well, sure, we can transfer some money. She's like, you know, what's your account number? I'm like, well, I'm from the U.S. I don't have an account number here, but how about I just open one? I'll give you 500 bucks to open an account. She's like, you can't. You're not a Canadian citizen. It's like, fuck me. Okay, what am I going to do? So she's like, so here's a testament to Canadians, right? We spent an hour sitting in this bank, and this lady was the sweetest lady. She's trying to figure out every way to Sunday to how we can get this money transferred, And she says this. She says, so here's the thing. She's getting ready to wrap up. They're closing the branch. Mm -hmm. She says, if you can't figure it out by tomorrow, here's my phone number. She goes, I'll write you a check. You write me a check. I'll buy the van. I'll give you the money to buy the van. She doesn't fucking know me from anybody. She's going to give me... $4,000 Canadian out of her own pocket and trust that I'm going to give her a check and she's going to be able to cash it the next day. That's I was, I was blown away and and I'm like, that's the kind of thing anybody's ever said to me that like at that, you know, it's like, but I really appreciate that. I don't want to take advantage of that. I think I'm going to keep trying to figure it out this way, but if it really boils down to it, maybe we'll hit you up on that. So then, um, We're like, okay, we got to get a place to stay. So we get a campground for the night. And uh, we ended up staying there because it was Canada Day. The next day, the banks closed early. And then it happened to be the weekend. So it's the 4th of July weekend. So the banks in the US were closed. So we did end up having the Western Union the money. It cost us like $400. Jeez. The Western Union, $3,200 U.S. So it was a the van ended up being 30. dollars That's like a wire transfer. Yeah, van, it's a dude. wire transfer, yeah. Um. So now we've got this van, and we've got the pickup truck. Yeah. So we're going to drive it. And Stephanie and Gavin are through the fucking roof. They're so <laughs> fucking excited. And it's just like, who's going to get to drive the van first and all these things? And we took it for a little test drive. And so there's something about... Don't ever test drive a car with stars in your eyes. It's the dumbest fucking thing in the world. And when you test drive a car, especially when you're in the middle of fucking Canada and you don't know anybody, take it to a mechanic before you buy the motherfucker. (laughs) It's a little, little, little piece of advice. So when I first looked at it, I was looking at the tires on this thing and they were a little weather checked. So with camper vans and and camper trailers and boat trailers and all these things, when it comes to recreational vehicles, the tires they don't lose their tread because you don't put enough miles on them. They rot out before yeah, the dry before, rot. Yeah. yeah, they dry rot before the tread goes right. I I was not thinking in this realm. This is a learning experience for me. And it's like, oh well, they're a little checked, but they're not bad. You know, they're they're like look at the tread on these motherfuckers. It's the, they got thousands of miles left on them. So we we test drive it, and one of the first things I noticed was that the exhaust, like the, it was super loud. Um, and it was like, okay, well, we can fix that. You know, we will just tighten up the maybe maybe the there's a crack somewhere. We you know we can check that out. Other than that, you know, it runs and this and that. And it's all right. So we head down the road, and we're driving to Montana. And, uh, and this is after you bought it. This is after we bought it. So we're gonna make a, a beeline to get back to the States as fast as we can to get everything switched over. And so when you um when you bring a vehicle into can into the States, um, it has to go through this multi point inspection process because they have to make sure that the um it's the all the safety guidelines are matched. Mm, mm-hmm. So luckily with our with this van, it it had been grandfathered in because the safety guidelines didn't match, but it was old enough where they didn't matter because it was a it was a um, what's it fucking called? Collector. It was a collector vehicle. Yeah. It was 20 older, years, older than 20 yeah. Years, yeah. It was older than 1980. Um, so we we got it across the the border, and we're on our way through um through Montana, and uh, we're in the middle of fucking nowhere. If you ever driven in Montana, especially northern Montana, it's like miles of nothing, right? So we're we're cruising along. And then the GPS is telling us to take this, there's this cutoff road to get to my, to get to my mom's place at, at the town she lives in. And it's like, take this cutoff road. You're going to knock like an hour and a half off your trip. It's like, awesome. So we're driving down this cutoff road and I'm driving the pickup truck now. And Stephanie is driving the van and it's mm. just Gavin and I in the pickup and she's driving Oh, the van. Gavin was with you. Gavin was with me. Yeah. So we're driving and she's behind me. Right. And it's dusty as fuck. Right. So here's the problem. The van has a pretty serious exhaust leak. <laughs> <laughs> so you can smell the exhaust in the cab, right? On top of that, it's a van and so the engine is right o- under your feet. Right. The fucking floor gets so hot that it it like your feet feel like they're on fire. If they're right next to okay. the engine compartment, so it's so hot right there that like you're overheating in the van, right? The AC doesn't work. It's a 78. So we're on a dirt a gravel road, and we're driving down the road, and she's behind me, and this van has the suspension is like like an army truck. (laughs) There's no suspension. (laughs) So I'm driving like 35, 40 miles an hour down this gravel road, kicking fucking dust up, and I can see her behind me. And we had these walkie-talkies that we were talking with, right? And she's like, oh, it's super dusty back here, da-da-da, you know? So I'm like, okay. So... I I look in the mirror and she's not there. And I'm like, Gavin, when's the last time you saw your mom? She's like he's like, Well, she was just right there. I just looked and so the, and so we're I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting, I'm like I'm trying to pick her up on the CB, the walkie-talkie, nothing. I can't get her. I'm like, what the fuck? I wonder if it broke down or something, right? <laughs> I turn the turn the truck around and we're driving back down the road, and here she is. <laughs> I pull up to her, so our driver's side windows are and facing each other, and I look across, and she's fucking crying her eyes out. <laughs> it was, it was. I felt. I'm like, oh my god, what's the matter? She's like, this fucking van. <laughs> she's like, you can't drive more than five miles. Or all the fucking the there was washboards on on the gravel road, and like the fucking fridge door was open. All the cabinet <laughs> doors were open. Any kind of shit that was in there was bouncing all over the back of the van, and shits falling off the windows. It was, it was so bad. And the and the whole fucking van's full of dust because it's so hot. And i like left her in a cloud of dust from and it's like, and so she's like, I fucking hate it. It's you can't drive on this stupid fucking road. It was like, it was a moment. We'd been on the road for a long yeah. time too, you know? Yeah. And so I felt so bad for her. And, and it's like, okay, so like I'll drive the van. She's like, no, it's fine. We're gonna get, she's like, she's like, just don't leave me because I can only drive so fast. And it's like, okay. So she's in the lead. We're only driving so fast. We get off of this fucking road, and we stop, and we like we don't drive anywhere for a couple hours, just breathe. And we 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 finally make it down. We we spend one night at some weird little spot in the middle of nowhere in Montana, and we finally get it down to to my my mom's place in Hamilton, Montana, and uh, we took a nice long awaited week yeah and uh we rested and we kind of went through the van my uncle he's a mechanic and so he was looking at it and and we like we transferred all the gear into the new van it was and it was exciting again right because because it was it was something new it was more comfortable to like live in because Sure, sure so in the okanagan the bed above the cab is a king size bed and for me and for Stephanie, it was amazing because I could, like, stretch out. Mm, mm. You know, I could fully stretch out. No worries about hitting my head and shit. Um, all the window screens were in it. So, like, if there's bugs at night, they're not getting in. So, we can leave the windows open at night. It was like, there was a lot of bonuses to this fan. So, we took that time and we uh, uh, we took the opportunity there to um, just kind of relax a little bit, spend some time with my mom. My sister came up and visit with her. And, uh, and then we just kind of, and we left, we hit, hit the road again, and then we went right up in the glacier.
1: Um, right. Yeah. Well, let's get into that. I got to take a restroom break really quick. Right. We'll be right back. All right. Hello, everybody. Oh, we are back. Hey, I just want to preface, because there's been episodes where you've texted me and said, man, I feel like I talk a lot. Yeah. That's okay, because you're the one telling the story. <laughs> and as you said last episode, you're a better storyteller than me, so...
0: Did I say that? Yeah. I'm pretty (laughs) sure you called me out. There's a lot of things I said on the last episode that I, first off, there's a piece of me that wants to apologize because I get a little mouthy when I'm having a little bit of whiskey. It was a good night. But at the same time, it was a fucking good time, and and you know I love you, and if I uh, didn't get mouthy with you, then it means I didn't like you, so... That's that's kind of one of my golden rules. Like when I was growing up, like if I didn't give you shit, that means I don't like you. So if yeah. I'm giving you shit, that means I want. I'm willing to take the time to give you a hard time. It means I, you you mean something to me. Um, so uh, we're back. Hey Kyle, hello. We are
1: into. I was gonna say, where are we right now oh, in your story?
0: Well, it's just, so here's the thing. Like I said before, this story that I have, this this time in my life. I could fill five episodes of, of talking about this easy. So what we can do right now is we'll pick up where we left off and I'm gonna give you maybe a little bit of a I said a high level the first time. This time I mean it. I'm gonna give you a high level and, and kinda we can fast forward here, here and there to some spots where we kinda ended up. Um and this is something maybe we can revisit another time if we um I'm sure we will. Yeah. If if you if you're enjoying the story. If you're enjoying the the deep dive into some of these little moments of, of my my life and, and shit that's happened to me along the, my journey, um, we're going to try to set up this email thing or voicemail thing or whatever, and if uh, anybody that's actually listening wants to hear more about it, then just let us know. I mean, I'm always happy to, to, to share, and uh, as everybody knows, I'm the talker. Yeah. Um, but uh, I really enjoy sharing these things because I, you know, I think maybe somehow, some way, somebody's going to glean something from it. So um,
1: I want to go home and sell all my shit.
0: <laughs> you know, so we we're just we were talking we were talking, and before we came in here, that like there's a, the whole van life thing is it's much more of a movement than it ever used to be. It, and when when, when uh, my wife and I first did it, it was kind of just taken off a little bit. It was fairly popular, but not like it is now, and. It's a. It's not a glamorous life. Right. When you look van life on Instagram, you see these perfect pictures of two people and their little toesies sticking out the end of their VW van, looking out at the ocean, and and then the uh you know attractive model looking woman sitting with her dog on the bed of her van, and everything looks so fucking perfect. And it's sitting not
1: cross leg pretzel style with your laptop. Yeah, sipping a cup of coffee. It's. It's not all that.
0: There are moments for sure where you step into this perfect zone where you're sitting in this amazing idyllic setting and you're looking out at the ocean or you're looking out at some mountains and you're you're drinking your coffee and you're just at that moment there's no other place in the world you want to be. But for every one of those moments there's like five where you're like what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I swear to god what am I doing right now? What am I, You question, what am I doing in my fucking life? What kind of loser am I? I don't even have a job. And then, and then it comes to you, I'm doing this because it's fucking awesome. And it's really fun. And there's an adventure here. and, And all the pain and the struggling, there's so much beauty in it. So, you know, if anybody's ever dreamed of doing this, fucking do it. I say, do it, figure out a way to do it. If you've got small children and you're working, you're, you got to work it out and you can't do it for five or 10 years, put the plans in order. Do it because, first off, we only go around this fucking rock so many times for the lights out for everybody. And, and we're here to be alive. We're here to soak up as much of this life as we can soak up. And this is my philosophy. So if there's something kind of crazy you've been thinking about doing, fucking figure out a way to do it and i'm going to say this responsibly you're not going to you're not going to put someone else's life into a bad place you know you're not going to be a detriment to to uh, the people that are and it's so important to you but it it feeds it feeds when i did it it fed my soul in a way that nothing else could have and i'll have these memories for the rest of my life so there's a call to adventure if you feel the call just run for it, man. Take take the opportunity, especially if you're young and you, you're still trying to figure your shit out and you don't have any kids yet. Don't get the dog yet. I know they're cute, and I know it's <laughs> a pandemic, and it seemed like a good idea. Don't fucking do it. You know, just, you know, do a little bit of running around. See what's out there. You know, hug some trees. Get out in the dirt. Have a little fun. Meet some people. Buy a fucking van in Canada. <laughs> 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 um. So wait, yeah, so where we're, we left off, we uh we left my so Hamilton Montana beautiful beautiful little town ah oh, part that was one of those places that that we we definitely could have seen ourselves settling down but we hadn't we hadn't made it to the West Coast yet we hadn't been out there so we still had some shit we wanted to do um but we put it in the boxes like one of the it ticked a yeah. lot of boxes for us yeah. Hamilton Montana is just it's a great little town um my mom will tell you there's too many Californians there right now that's what's happening it's the exodus of Californians. Texas, too. Texas, too. Texas, too. Um, and Idaho. Um, so, anyway, we, we left Hamilton. And uh, so, uh, fun fact, if you uh, you go straight north, you go out of Hamilton, you go to Missoula. Get out of Missoula, you start heading heading north, and you get up to Polson, Montana, Flathead Lake. Beautiful, beautiful Flathead Lake. Beautiful country. Um, keep going north. You go straight up into Glacier National Park, baby. Mm-hmm. And that is the Magic. Holy shit! Is that place beautiful? Um, Glacier is so. When we were there, we went through Glacier National Park. First off, we it, by the time we got there, it was probably like July ish, and it was packed as fuck. So there's something about going to see a beautiful place when all you see is people. That's tough. So. There's like a, there's a big lodge when you get into the glacier and you get your maps and get some trinkets and you settle in, you kind of figure out where you're going to go and hike and all these things. There were, there were so many people in the parking lot at this lodge. We didn't even go into there. We Mm -hmm. just like, fuck it. We'll figure it out on our own cars up and down the road everywhere. It was, it was a little disheartening when we first got into glacier because there were so many people. And I think. A lot of times when you first get into these beautiful big national parks and you're at the entrance and just a little ways into the entrance, you get a lot of day trippers. So a lot of people are just running out to the park because they live close by sure, or they're just sure. going to spend a quick weekend there or whatever. So they're all piling in to get the maps, and get as much hiking and all the activities as they can. And they got their bug spray and their sun hats and all that shit. And they're just like, they're just soaking up that, that minute they have, um, get the kids out of the house. So where this is our life now. So it's like we want to get away from that many people as much as we can. Um so the farther we got in the glacier, um there's a there's a road called Road to the Sun. It's only open for like 3 months a year because of the snowpack that they get up there. The 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 beauty, the grander grandeur of this of this drive of the views of seeing the glaciers and the mountain goats and the elk and it's Takes your breath away, absolutely takes your breath away. It's it's one of the, the the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Now, there's a caveat to that. While we were there, this was 2017. We overheard one of the tours, and the the tour guide was saying that statistically and scientifically speaking, if the our planet's warming effect that's having right now, the global warming. If it continues at the rate it is, all of the glaciers in Glacier National Park will be melted by 2022. Hmm. So I don't know what the situation with the glaciers in Glacier National Park are right now. But if you want to go and you want to see some glaciers and you can't go to Canada right now because they're not letting you in. um, Better go see them fucking glaciers because it sounds like they might be gone here pretty soon. Now, so we took the trip to Glacier. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if we even stayed overnight in Glacier. Um, we crossed the border. We didn't stay overnight. So there's a little known park called Waterton National Park. And they say it's uh, uh, the sister park to Glacier National Park. So when you cross the border from Montana into Canada, um, there's a stretch of, 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 of road. And then you come to Waterton National Park. You go into Waterton National Park before you get to Jasper. Waterton was, this is everything I want a Glacier to be. So perfect in every way, really clean. It wasn't thousands and thousands and throngs of people. Beautiful mountains, amazing hiking trails, glacial lakes, glaciers, it's um, And it's, it was one of the first designated um, dark sky parks of national parks um, in all of Canada because the light pollution there is so minimal that if you want to go see the fucking heavens, that's where you go, baby. Yeah. Oh, man. We stayed there. When I woke up in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, get outside, still dark out. And there's just these beautiful meadows with like the grasses are like four feet tall. And the, the dew was hanging heavy. On everything. It's just like, it is unbelievable. The sun starts to peak up and you see the, I think it's called the four sisters. It's these these four different mountain peaks up there. And, uh, I'm, I'm probably butchering it. It might not even be called the four sisters. It could be the four aunties and uncles for all I remember, but I'm just going to call them the four sisters. The sun is coming out from behind these mountains and I found myself at such a level of peace. I was alone in this meadow looking up at these fucking beautiful mountains that are like, this is where I live? This has been here this whole fucking time? I didn't even know it? Like, I, I felt this energy in my whole body just like so grateful to fucking be alive at that moment to just, it was unreal. It was just, it was really spectacular. Um, and, uh, And then on top of it, so when I left, a big piece of, 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 of sadness I had when I left is I was leaving this program. I left Kyle. I left the Boys and Girls Club. I left these young men. And I was, it was really hard for me because it was a big piece of my heart. And uh, when I was at this park, and maybe why this park was so special to me was as, I was as I was taking my morning walk and I was sitting there looking at these mountains, I heard in the distance, I heard all these boys. Talking and chattering and just get just waking up in the morning, right? And so I'm like, oh, I wonder what that is. So I kind of walk down to the end of this road, and there's this group camp there, and it's these four dudes that takes a group of boys every single year, and they hike the Four Sisters. Mm. And these kids are they're intense, and they're like they're they're like waking up, and they're pissing out the side <laughs> of the tent, and they're laughing, and they're like having a good time, and and the the the, the guys are just some dads you know that have have the chops to take these kids and and they're trusted to take these young men on these these hikes and we're talking like 17 kilometer hikes oh. like fucking all day long yeah and these kids are like you know what it's like when the second day after we bring the kids out to the to the cabin and they wake up in the morning and and there's a they're free they're free. They can scream as loud as they want. They can take a piss off the side of the deck. They can throw the football. They can take a walk in the woods. They can do whatever they want. There's no rules. Right. And you could, you could feel it in the energy these young men. And so it was like, it was a really special moment for me to sit there and just soak that in. And, and you know, um, yeah, it brought a tear to my eye. When I was sitting there, for sure, just sitting there, reminiscing like what we had here and, and missing that, but also a lot of appreciation, a lot of appreciation for having that in my life and understanding how valuable that is. So, Waterton National Park is is a super special place. It's not a big park, um, and uh, it's uh, if you ever want to go and get a campsite and do some fucking killer camping and hiking. There's this one hike we didn't get to go on. It's a 21-kilometer hike, and you got to get up at like 5 o'clock in the morning, and you got to take a fucking boat ride across this lake to get the other side of the lake to the trailhead, and you got to hike all the way up to the big fucking peak, and you hike down into this glacial lake, and then you hike back out, and you take the boat back, and it's dark when you get home. We didn't get to take that hike. It's still on my list. So we went through Waterton. We spent a night there, threw a couple toonies in the shower, <laughs> <laughs> cleaned up a little bit, had a little bit of a little bit of food. Oh, and um, well, that's another part of the story, man. I'm trying not to do deep dive. I, I fucked up my foot really bad on this big hike we took up. Uh, we were hiking up into this lake. Um, God damn it! Oh, I'm going to tell the story. We may we may never get to the end of this trip on this <laughs> fucking episode because we got to wrap it here in a little bit. But here's here's the story. So we uh, um. We're trying to find a hike, right? I want to do a seventeen-kilometer hike, but we got a ten-year-old and a, and a wiener dog, right? And so it's like, okay, so let's temper our excitement here, and what's something we can find a happy medium on? There was no happy medium for him; he didn't want to hike at all. But we promised him we'd get Subway, and we'd take Subway, and we could eat Subway halfway up on the hike. So we, uh, um, when you pull in to to this area, this little town in Waterton National Park, there's this big, beautiful lake. So perfect setting. And you know like the you know skipping stone, right? The smooth mm-hmm. flat rocks. Well, when we walked out to this lake, we parked the camper and we walked out to the edge of the lake and it was nothing but skipping stones. It was like those perfect round smooth flat rocks everywhere as far as you could see. Like you could pick up a handful of rocks and 9 out of 10 of them you could skip 20 skips. Just is is unreal. So we're we're just we're heading off onto our hike and it's like I want to say it's like 6.5 kilometers okay. to the top. We're going to this lake. And we're hiking, and and um, we get all the way up to the lake. Well, I shouldn't say it. So we're halfway up the hike. First off, Kevin hates fucking hiking with us. He just hates it. He doesn't want to hike. It's hot. It sucks. Everything sucks. He'll stop 20 times in the middle of the hike. and. And like, we're just, we're soaking up the sunshine and we're on this trail and, and they, you know, there could be bears, there could be anything out there. Cause we're in the middle of fucking the wilderness. And all of a sudden we catch up to this family. That's a, a mom and a dad and a daughter and a son and Gavin and this kid start talking. I'm like, Oh, f- thank you. Fucking God for delivering <laughs> this family to us to like help him find some, some enjoyment here. So they're talking. Next thing I know, they, they fucking leave us. They're walking in front of us in the trail, and we're kind of walking slow because we got the dog and we're taking some pictures and stuff, and they're gone. Gavin went with them. He fucking disappeared <laughs> with his family. It's like, what the fuck? He's gone way ahead of us. And it's like, okay, it's fine. It's fine. We're on the same trail. This trail only goes one way. It's like one fucking trail. There's only one way in and one way out. We're gonna catch back up with them, you know. Hopefully they're not like child abductors or something. We're we finally catch up with him, and he is having the time of his life. And it's kind of bittersweet because I'm really excited he's having the time of his life, but I fucking wish he could have had the time of his life. One <laughs> of these you. hikes with us. Maybe with us, we could see this smiling kid. The mom's like, he is the sweetest kid in the world, so kind and considerate. He loves hiking so much, and they had such a good time. We took some photos. He's got pictures with somebody else's family. (laughs) Somewhere on his cell phone, there's Gavin with somebody else's family standing up at the top of this mountain by this lake, which is, on the whole, I was so happy for him because he was really happy. It was great. So it's just so funny how that works out. So they kind of adopted him for about an hour's worth of a hike. And so we get to the top and we get to this lake and we're sitting at the edge of the water and I go up to the water and it's a glacial fed lake. So it's cold mm-hmm. as fuck. It's like 33 degrees or something. So I looked at Gavin and I said, you know, we got to do it, right? He's like, what do you mean? I go, we got to, we got to get in the, we got to jump in the lake. And he's like, okay, let's do it. I'm like, okay, let's do it. So I brought swimming trunks because I, 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 I want to feel that what that feels like to jump into a glacial mountain lake, right? So, changing to my trunks, you know, behind a tree, I'm all ready. It's kind of chilly out because we're up on top of this mountain, so it's a little brisk. And uh, there's a bunch of people all kind of, maybe 10 or 15 people around this whole huge lake, and they're all kind of hanging out and having coffee or whatever that they brought with them and snacks. So, I, I, I know that there's no way, if, if you've ever jumped into... A really cold lake. You can't, you can't walk into it. It hurts too bad. Mm-hmm. The, the the sheer pain of the cold water hitting your warm skin from the sun. It's like I knew I wasn't going to be able to walk in. You got to jump. So so I got to jump, right? Well, it's just it's a rocky beach, and you run out and you do you don't jump. You just got to run as far oh, as you okay. can and then jump. So I take off at a fucking dead run, ba bum bum and I'm just flying. And I'm like, oh baby, here it comes. I'm going to hit that cold water. And about like my fourth step into the lake, I feel this really dull thud. Like I stepped on a, like if you ever, you ever stepped on like a golf ball or something in the arc of your foot, it's like, it kind of hits your bone almost. Mm. And so I felt like I stepped on this rock and it hit my bone and I was like, oh, but I just kept on trucking, man. I had, I was, I was on a mission. So I finally, it got deep enough. I dove in the water and I come up. I'm like, oh, you know, know, and I'm swimming and I'm treading water. I'm like, hey, Gavin, it's not so bad out here. Oh, you know, I'm trying to get him in the water. And as I'm treading water, I feel something on the bottom of my foot that doesn't feel right. It feels like it's kind of flappy. And I'm like, what is that? So I'm treading water and I pull my leg up and I... I touch my foot with my hand and there's this huge gash in the bottom of my foot and there's this big flap of skin. And it was like right in the, in like in, you know, the, the ball of your foot on the inside, it's right on the edge of the ball of my foot. And so I told Stephanie, I said, I said, I got a problem. And she's like, Oh, (laughs) I'm like, yeah. So I think I cut my foot open. So I'm going to get out, but I'm, Grab a, do you have a towel or something? You know, so I swim back and I'm, and I'm walking out and I'm kind of on my toes. So it doesn't hurt though. And I think it doesn't hurt because A, I got my adrenaline going. B, the water's 33 degrees. So sure. it's super cold, sure. right? So I get out and it's not bleeding or anything because it's still super cold. So I'm sitting on the edge of the, of the Rocky beach on this log and I pick my foot up and there's like a solid two inch gash in the bottom of my foot, and there's this hole in my foot. So what had happened is a piece of rock shale. I stepped on it, and it was sitting vertical underwater, and it stabbed right into my foot, and it actually hit my bone. That's what that bone feeling was. And I'm like, okay, so this is bad. We're a half kilometers into the middle of nowhere, and I've got to get back out, and I've got this hole in my foot. So this lady who's sitting next to me with these binoculars, she's talking to Gavin. She goes, well, that doesn't look good. I go, no, I don't think it is. I said, you know, I've got to try to find a towel or something or a napkin to put on it to put my boot back on so we can get back out before it really starts to hurt. It starts to bleed, right? So you ever seen those little uh, napkins that you you get them wet and they expand? They get all big. Oh, yep. Yep. So she has one of these, right? So she gives it to us and we dip it in the water. We get a big and I fold it up and I put it over the hole in my foot. I quick slide my sock on and my boot on and I'm like, all right, we gotta go. Gotta get back before this thing gets gnarly. We we hike all the way back out of the mountain and about halfway down it really starts to throb. It's like it's like are you okay? You okay? You okay? I'm like, I'm fine, stop asking me. I just we just need to get back to the van. Got back to the van. So I pull up my foot. We're sitting in the van, and Gavin is just enthralled. He's like, can I see it again? <laughs> it's like, is it bleeding? And he'll look at me like, oh, my God, it looks so bad. I'm like, eh, it's not very good. And, and I'm like, well, we got to find, like, an EMT or something. But we're in the middle of a park, and it's like, it's a little town, but there's no, there's no clinic. There's no hospital or anything. So there's a fire station. It's like, well, there's got to be an EMT somewhere. I'm sure the firemen are trained in some sort of EMT, mm-hmm. right? So we pull up to this fire station and I kind of hobble in and uh, they're like, oh, hey, how's it going? eh? you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I tell them, so, well, I had a, this incident and then I, you know, I needed to look at it. Tell me what do you think I need to do? Because it's, you know, it's pretty bad. So I sit down in a chair and this uh, EMT is, she's looking at my foot. And she's spraying it out with saline to make sure there's nothing in it, you know. She's like, okay, so you need some stitches. And uh, and I'm like, okay. and I'm like, can you stitch it up for me? She's like, I can't. She's like, I'm not authorized to stitch you up. You got to go to a doctor to get it stitched up. She goes, I can put some butterflies on it and, and put some gauze on it, and it'll be fine till you get to the doctor. And I'm like, okay, where's that? She says, it's in Calgary. Calgary is like an hour and 15 minutes away. And we had just left Calgary when we got to, we're not, no, we didn't leave, just leave Calgary. We didn't, we were going there, but we weren't, I didn't want to go get my stitches. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wanted to keep hiking. And, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to Calgary. And she's like, well, you, you need to go to Calgary. I'm like, well, let's just say that a guy wanted the super glue a cut like this. shit. <laughs> 'Cause this super glue is how I did everything. Yeah. Every time I get cut I have super super glue. cuts. Yeah. yeah. She's like, Well, let's just say he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Well, let's just say he did. Where would a guy find some super glue around here? She's like, Well, if a guy decided against the strict advice of an EMT <laughs> to not get stitches, he would go to the gas station down the road and get some super glue. So I went to the gas station down the road. I bought a a couple of tubes of super glue in our first aid kit. Oh, cracked it open. And I changed it three times a day and we still hiked and we still did all the same shit. And every single time I change it, Gavin would be like, can I look at it? Can I see it? Every time. Oh God. It took so long to heal, but I was walking on it all the time. Cause I just, I got thick headed about it. I didn't want it to ruin my, my trip. I wasn't going to let this injury ruin my trip. So I just kept super going it. Funny thing three is,
1: 3 hour round trip versus Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was like I wasn't going to a week of super gluing 3 times a day. Yeah. It was <laughs> come worth it. On it ice. was worth
0: it, dude. It was so worth it. It's like I would I would have Well, here's the thing. In life, we know how it goes, right? It's just like this conversation we have here every single day when well, we come in on Saturdays. You take that hour and a half round trip to Calgary, right? At that time in my life, a trip to Calgary could set off a whole new series of events that might lead us someplace else. Mm. I didn't want to be anyplace else. I was exactly where I wanted to be, and exactly where I felt like I was supposed to be. And when I had that feeling that, like, I I wasn't ready to let this this incident change my trajectory. I, I knew in my heart I was right where I was supposed to be. and I also knew in my heart that I could super glue my foot and I could I could tough it out. you know I knew I, it's like as long as I was diligent about it and keeping it clean, I was gonna be okay. And so and so I made the choice. I was gonna stay the path. Whatever path it was, yes, so this me limping on my on my hurt ass foot for the first couple of days changed my path because I was we were going slower and we picked maybe hikes that weren't quite as long. But at the same time, the joy I was getting from being in that moment, I was not ready to let go of. So yeah. that's why that's one of the big reasons I st- and the other reason is I'm thick headed. I wasn't gonna let <laughs> I wasn't gonna let this thing hold me down. So we hiked it out through that area. Um little hikes here and there, and then we uh, we went up to Jasper. Uh cruised through Jasper National Park. Now I will say, um oh sorry, no. We went from Waterton to Banff National Park. We went from Banff National Park to Jasper. Um, when we got so, uh, Banff is like it's it's like Glacier, but less people. Um, and there's and and there's glaciers everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you really see the glaciers in Banff. Jasper is like what I termed it in the time frame was Banff light. So, um, it was like, it's a skinnier park, still just as beautiful. There's like the, um, I want to say there's a, uh, there's a parkway that goes between Banff and Jasper. It's called the, it's called like the ice ice road parkway or the, I, I can't think of it right now. It's not the name of it, but if, if you're listening to this and you, and you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. It's a, it's a specific drive. There's only way you get from Banff to Jasper and it's gorgeous. Got into Jasper. When we got the Jasper, this was 2017, if you don't remember, the the wildfires were raging through British Columbia. There was like 70-some wildfires happening at the same time. And when we got to Jasper, the smoke was getting to a point where you could not only could you smell a little, but you could see it, the haze mm. over all the treetops and the mountains. You could see the haze of the smoke. Um, and if you've ever experienced a wildfire, it changes everything. You're in a beautiful landscape and it makes it look like a hellscape almost because when the sun comes up, it's this big red ball cuz it's peered the light is piercing through the smoke particles and it just it looks like something out of like like when the Lord of the Rings when the hobbits were going to Mordor. It's it's so strange looking and an eerie feeling. It just it changes the whole feeling of where you're at. Um So at this point in our trip, we were trying to make the decision if whether we were going to, because we were thinking about driving to Alaska. Okay. And uh, we're in, we got outside of Jasper and we're in this little town at this little um, city chamber of commerce, whatever they call it in Canada. And we're having a cup of coffee and we're trying to decide if we're going to go to Alaska or not. And Stephanie's got asthma. And, um. The smoke was so bad that we'd have to drive through three days of smoke because you could. They had these maps, and there was a a fire map um, at this town at the city chamber of commerce it showed where all the fires were, and and you could see the smoke plumes on these on these uh, through the Wi-Fi on a, a Google map or whatever it was would show you where the smoke plume was. Okay, sure. So we'd have to travel through the smoke plume for like three days to get to Alaska. And it was already really taxing, her, her ability to breathe at that time. And ah, I miss my kids so bad. I want to see my kids. And so we were just like, okay, we're not doing Alaska. It's, it's not right for us. So then we turned back south. Um, we're headed back south, and we started heading towards Idaho. Um, and uh, we, um, we went through some sweet little... Uh, there's there's different levels of parks. There's like national parks and there's state parks. Went through some really cool um, state parks on the way back to Idaho. There was one called Revelstoke, and it's this famous ski jumping town. And it's like it's all. I want it's on the place that's on my list. I want to go back and ski there. It's like it's like a, a take Breckenridge or something like that, but but not all high end hoity toity. It's like. It's like it's a town full of ski bumps in, in Canada, or in, in the, Canada, the, yeah. Revelstoke, Canada. Um, and the the mountains, like if you're a skier and you look at these mountains, it's like you're in awe because it takes you hours to get down these mountains, you know, on a set of skis. And then around here, it takes you five minutes. So it's a, it's a whole different experience. So that's on my bucket list to so go back to Revelstoke, Canada. If you ever want to do some world class skiing in a town that's not super expensive and pretentious,
1: check out Revelstoke. Um so you make your way down, and at some point you get to Cali, right?
0: Or is this detour?
1: <laughs> is this fast forwarding severely still? That would be severely fast forwarding still. Oh, this is a long, this is a
0: longer trip than I thought. Oh, yeah. We were on the road for a long time, bro. We we're on the road for a long time. So we drove all the way back down into Idaho. So my my I've got a lot of family in Idaho, right? And it's 2017. So that's what, four years ago, right? Yep. Four years ago. So it was the two year anniversary of when my sister passed away. And um, when my sister passed away, she wanted her ashes spread, um, some of her ashes spread at this uh, place um, up in the Selway River area in Idaho. It's talk about being connected to God through nature. Go up the Selway. This place is, I've talked about some beautiful places in the last two hours, but the Selway River is, uh, it's magic, man. When the sun's coming down through the trees and you see it glinting off the water and it's this beautiful, crystal clear river full of fucking fish and waterfalls, world-class rapids for kayaking and and whitewater rafting, world-class. I think one of the Boys and Girls Club's auctions there was a Selway river rafting trip. Mm, yep. So Karen, um, she, there's a place up there where I don't know all these clowns retired to this little town in Idaho. It's not right here, but it's down the road from the Selway. And so she's been there a number of times and it's, it's magic. It's absolutely magic. So I met my father and i and, um, and, uh, uh, we and my other kids and my niece and nephew all got together and we spread my sister's ashes up on the Selway River in Idaho and we took some time um going through Idaho. We stopped in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and we did some <laughs> did some boondocking. Here's a funny story. Um we're boondocking in, in uh uh in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho with this little this little, uh, river area up in the mountains and, and there's, there's designated campgrounds, but where we were staying, there's pull-offs and they don't really want you to stay there, but we did anyway, because they were far enough out where nobody really saw us. Um, and, uh, we're, everybody's finally kind of getting comfortable, right? Getting comfortable with like being out in the woods and being alone. And like, you're out way out in the mountains and you're camping out and, just a freedom that comes with that, and you just get a little bit more loose. You don't worry about people seeing you. You can go take a pee behind a tree or whatever, and you don't have to, like look over your shoulder. So we get out of uh, of the van and we pick the spot, and we're talking. It's like, oh yeah, this is a really sweet place, you know it's all these things. and uh, uh Gavin goes to pee, and I figured he's gonna go behind a tree somewhere and go take a pee. No. I come back to the van from taking a little walk around this camp area. And I see this pool of water and it's right underneath where the radiator is on the van. And I'm like, what the fuck? If we're leaking radiator fluid, this is going to suck because we're in the middle of nowhere. So of course I lean down and I stick my fingers in this pool of water and And I'm about ready to stick it up to my face to smell it. Because you smell, you know, for radiator fluid. And all of a sudden, I just hear Gavin laughing his ass off. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, that's my pee. (laughs) (laughs) He just stepped out in front of the van, right in the front of this dirt road, and takes a leak right in front of the van on the road. And I just rub my fucking fingers through it, thinking it was was radiator fluid. So, yeah. This... (laughs) These little things. Um, so anyway, we we spent some time in Idaho, and then uh, then we drove to Seattle. This is where my kids were. Yep. And we visited them, and I got to tell you, I was I was really unimpressed at the time with the Seattle area. I just, and I'm sure part of that plate, what played <laughs> into that unimpressedness of the Seattle area, was that I, I'd been on the road for so long. And it was this massive city, and I'd been in all these amazing, idyllic places, small towns, beautiful scenery, and I was in the middle of this giant city. And there was certainly, you know, you go down to the pier, you get some clam chowder to the fish market, and all that shit's exciting, but it certainly wasn't jiving with me. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like, I wasn't feeling it. So we spent some time there in Seattle and visited with my kids and stuff, and and it's like, okay, well, you know... Maybe someplace in Oregon, Oregon coast. We'll check that out. So we left Seattle, drove through Portland, and we had all kinds of hijinks and shit happen to us. Our van overheated, all this crazy stuff I could get into. But we went down the coast of Oregon, um, and uh, my youngest son was with us at the time. We picked him up in Seattle, and he traveled with us for a while. Um, and uh, we drove down into Oregon, and we did some camping and stuff. We went to Mount Rainier. We did some cool shit. Um it's the first place we'd been to where they were selling legal, legal weed. Mm. So there's like a green cross everywhere you look, there's these green crosses. It's where you could buy legal weed. So that was kind of an interesting little experience, like to, to go into a place and see, I wouldn't even buy anything the first time. It was just like, this is, this is like, where's, there's no, you're not going to get in trouble. You know, it's like, it was everywhere. So um, we had some experiences there. We drove down. Oh, uh, I should say this. So we were in Seattle, and what what time we got? Time is it? Okay. Uh, do I want to tell the story? It's going to take some time. I got time. All right, we got a little bit of time. So we're we're in Seattle, and and uh, we had just said goodbye to my kids. We take Dylan had dropped him back off with his mom, and we we're getting ready to leave Seattle, and the van had been having some mechanical issues. It's a carbureted van, and, like, we had, like, the fucking Czech tires blew out on us in Calgary when we were in Canada, so we had to put all new tires on it. We are doing, like, 60 miles an hour down the road, and all of a sudden it was like, booga, 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 It was a super loud banging, mm-hmm. and I we stopped on the side of the road, and there was a bubble the size of, like, a football expanded out the side mm-hmm. of the tire. And it was the driver's side front tire. So if it had blown, it could have been bad. Yeah. So we dealt with all this shit with this van. And then we were having some carburetor issues, so it wouldn't idle very good, and it was dying and shit. So we pulled into this parking lot, in somewhere in the middle of Seattle, it, this, it, was, it was a Friday, at say, 7, 6 o'clock at night. Still light out because it's summertime. And the van doesn't want to run. It's getting overheated. Carburetor's not working very good. And we're fucking broken, emotionally fucking broken. We're in this parking lot. We've been on the road for so long. We're living on a shoestring every single day. We're in Seattle. We've visited my kids. I don't want to leave because I haven't seen my kids in so long. We don't know where we're going. We haven't found a place yet that's going to be our place, and we didn't like Seattle. And now our van is broke down on a Friday night in a parking lot in the middle of some place. We don't know where the fuck we are. No mechanics are open. How, what the fuck are we going to do? So we're sitting there in the van. And, I'm, and so one. if you've ever been to Seattle, there's these ginormous blackberries that grow wild all over the city. It's, just, it's really strange. but So Gavin, there's this mountain or mountain of them right next to where we're parked. So Gavin grabs a Ziploc bag. He's bored, like, go pick some Blackberries. So he's filling a Ziploc bag full of Blackberries, and we're talking, and Stephanie's crying, and, 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 and we're just kind of just at our wits' end. And it's like, no. Nope. I said, we're going to be fine. We're going to figure this shit out. It's going to be okay. I have this in me that I don't ever fucking quit, no matter what I'm doing. Sometimes when I should quit, I don't quit. <laughs> and and at this moment, it was like, it was the time when when the question comes up, do you quit? What do you do? It's like, fuck no. So I called my uncle that was in Idaho. He's the one that helped us look at the van in the first place. I'm like, all right, uncle, his name is Alf. I'm like, Un- Uncle Alf. I said, what do I do here? I don't know what the fuck's going on with this thing, but he's like, well, it's a carburetor issue, you know? So he's like, you know, it's probably all. Um, got all kinds of shale. I think shale is that the it's uh the glossy shit when gas sits in there too long and it gets thick on so your your uh, your uh, pins and stuff they get all mm-hmm. glazed up. I don't I don't know what the name for it is anyway. He says it's all gunked up it needs to be cleaned and all this. So we let it sit for a while. We got it running again. Didn't really do anything to it, but we got it running. So we we leave Seattle and we're driving. And, and uh, we're, like, trying to find a place to sleep for the night. And uh, we come across this casino. And casinos have big parking lots, and there's always places that people pull their RVs in. So it's like, okay, we'll just pull into this casino for the night. And we, we pull up to this gas station, and as we're pulling into the gas station, the fucking van dies. Mm. And we're coasting, right? So – if it's at idle speed at all, it's going to die. It's choking out. It's not getting the fuel and the air mixture right. So we roll it into the gas pump. We fill it up with gas. We let it sit for a couple minutes. We start it up. And basically what I got to do is when we get to a stop sign, I got to put my foot on the brake, put it in neutral, and rev the engine in order for it not to die. So I'm sitting at the stop sign at the gas station right outside the casino entrance. I'm revving the engine, waiting for a car to go by. Throw it in first real quick or drive and I gun it and I get out of there and we take the first, there's two driveways that go to the casino. There's one that goes to an upper parking lot and one goes right towards the front of the casino. I'm like, that's got to be the upper one. So we pull in. Well, it turns out it's a valet parking lot, right? (laughs) And so I'm revving it and revving it and then we get up into the parking area and it dies again and I get it started and I pull it up and I'm sitting next to like a Range Rover and a Porsche and a, and a Corvette, and there's a, I think there's like a Nissan GTR or something up there, all these crazy expensive cars. And we're sitting there, and I got the hood up on my janky ass 78 Ford Okanagan, spewing smoke and shit, you know, and the engine's overheating. And this guy comes blazing through the parking lot on this super fast golf cart. He flies up to us, and he like, it's like the, the thing didn't even stop, and he jumps out. And he's like, what are you doing? I go, uh, I'm having some car troubles. I just needed a place to park so I can get this straightened out. I'll be out of here as soon as I can. He goes, you cannot be here. Need to move that piece of shit now. I'm like, all right, do you have another parking lot where I can park it so I can figure this out? And he's like, yeah, there's a lower parking lot. You need to go there now and get this thing out of here. He was so pissed. We hopped in it. Vroom, 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 revving it as I'm trying to back out of the parking spot without it dying on me. We get down past the front of the casino, around the back. We park as far away from the casino as we possibly can. I got the hood up, and I'm looking at it. And uh, and i am got my uncle on the phone, and we're talking about different things. And he's like, so here's the thing. He says, try this. He said, start it up, take the end of your screwdriver, and just bang the side of the carburetor as hard as you can. I'm like, seriously? He's like, yeah, just see what it does. I'm like, all right. So I started it up, and I... I'm wailing on the carburetor with the back of my screwdriver, and all of a sudden, it idles. It goes, it's like, and it goes down. And then it starts to idle rough again, and I bang on it, and it goes back down. I'm like, oh, dude, it worked. He's like, okay, you got to get the work done. He says, but it'll get you through. So now every time we stop somewhere, I'm banging the fuck out of the carburetor on my van, trying to figure out, you know, just what's going on. So we end up going um, out of this casino, and we're, uh, we're, in southern washington we cross the columbia river in oregon we get into astoria and and there's a a, there's a little town called river i think it's called river seaside seaside oregon i think it's called seaside it's a little quintessential little pretty oregon town and uh we're pulling into town and we we want a coffee so bad so it's a one lane road and it's it's like driving through the dells of the old days the old downtown dells mm-hmm. Wall-to-wall cars Like It takes 40 minutes To get from one end of town To the other And it's not a big town mm-hmm. So we We pull off the road To this coffee shop And I gotta idle and, it, and I'm going down This little embankment And it dies On the way down the hill Into this coffee shop And I'm like Fuck So I coast up to the window Order a coffee Get out <laughs> Started up, bang on the carburetor, and I'm like, I pray to God, it stays running long enough for me to get out of this coffee shop because there's people in line behind me. I get back out to the street, and now I've got to wait for an opening in the cars, right? So I've got my foot on the brake, and I'm revving the engine, and everybody's looking at me because the exhaust on this thing is fucked up, and so it's loud as hell. The windows are down, and we look like the Beverly Hillbillies or some shit. It was (laughs) the craziest thing. So we're sitting there at the stop sign, and finally we get out into the traffic, and it's stop and go traffic. Every time we have to stop, I put my foot on the brake and put it neutral. I'm revving the engine behind the car in front of me. There's looking out the back window mirror going, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Why is he revving his engine at me? It was insanity. It was absolute insanity. And it was hot as balls because the engine heat's coming up. had to have that up. van, baby. God, we had to have that van. So we pull into this gas station. No, oh, we pulled into a Napa. And I just got nap. I'm like, hey, can you guys work on vans? Oh, yeah, we got a shop here. We'll work on your vans. Like, can't get to it for like 14 days. So I'm like, 14 days? I'm on the road. I need this fixed like yesterday. And he's like, oh, I don't know what to tell you, man. He's like, is that carbureted? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, oh, we don't even do carburetors really anymore here. And he's like, hey, you know anybody talking to someone behind the counter that does carburetors? He's like, well, you can talk to old Jesse. It's like, well. Is he even there half the time? It's like some, you know, some old dude that still knows carburetors, but he's got some janky-ass shop that he's only there half the time. So we pull up to this Jesse dude's place, and and we walk in, and he looks at me, and he looks at my wife, and he just starts talking to her. He will not even talk to me. He's like, you're not even a man. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... And I told him, I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's a fuel-to-air issue. He's like, how do you know it's a fuel-to-air issue? Do you know carburetors? And I go, well, not really, but my uncle does. And he told me, he's like, he's like, come here, man. let let's talk about this. So he pulls her aside, and, and they go out and look at the van. He didn't even want to talk to me. I was like, I never felt so demasculated. I was like, what the fuck? I don't care at this point. You know, we got to get it fixed. He's like, you leave it here. So he says, you can pick it up in two days. It's like, well it's kind of our home. (laughs) Like he's like, well, okay. He's like, park it for the night, wherever you're going to park it, bring it back five o'clock in the morning. Then you're going to leave it here all day tomorrow. And then, and if you're lucky, I get it done by the end of the day. So he took it that next day. We parked it at the end of this dead end street and he took it the next day and he fixed it. The next day he got the carburetor done, fixed, cleaned up, whatever he had to do with it. And then, uh, and then we took off from Riverside, and, and we headed up down the coast. Man, and hit the PCH Highway Highway One, down uh, down the coast of California. We started in Northern California, and it's running good now. Hit Northern Cali. The sun's coming down. We're in the mountains. You see the ocean. All of a sudden, the vibes are picking up, man. It's like feeling good again. You know, it's like the van's running good. California living. It's like we're like we oh dude. We hit this one spot. Where we camped overnight. We parked at this. Look out! it looks out over the ocean, and it's like weird, like there's only two other cars there, and uh, woke up in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, get outside, got my coffee routine down, I'm drinking my coffee, and I, I, I look down this trail that goes down by the water, and I see this dude sitting out there, and he's watching, and he's pointing out at the water, and I look out, there's fucking humpback whales mm. cresting in the ocean right there out the back door of our van. This is where those photos come in, right? This is that moment when when you're sitting there and you're living the van life, baby, you know, and you look out at the fucking ocean and it's 76 degrees and sunny and there's humpback whales cresting on the ocean. There's a bunch of sea lions down on the rocks. And it's like this is why we did this. This is the most amazing thing in the world. And and it's like we're feeling good again, right? We're going down the PCH. And it's really windy. Stephanie gets car sick. So she's like, maybe we'll just like, there's a mountain range between the PCH and then you, I think you go over the top of the mountains. I want to say it's a 405 or the five, one of the two, that'll take you down into San Francisco. So we're going to, we take the mountain range. We're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to take a quick little trip over the mountains here. We're going to get over the top and we come back down and we're going to get into San Francisco, you know, and it's going to be awesome. So one of my best friends in the world, Peter, that's why I love you, brother. I don't know if you're ever going to listen to these. I keep telling him. I don't know if he's listening to or not. He's a busy guy. But he lived in L.A. at the time, and, like, we're going to go see him, right? So that's where we're headed. We're checking out Northern California, checking out the towns. Maybe we want to find a place to live there. It's still not very far from Seattle, you know, and so it's on the West Coast. It's California. Check it out. So um, we start going up in the mountains. And these mountain roads, when you cross over that mountain, the switchbacks are, are 100 times worse than they were on the BZH. <laughs> it was so bad. And you can only do like five miles an hour. And it's a steep-ass incline. It's a huge grade. Back and forth. We're going up and down the mountain road. We're up and up and up, farther to top. We crest the mountain, and we start coming back down. And for those of you that were took the time to look up a 1978 Ford Okanagan camper van, it's a one-ton ford f350 chassis Mm -hmm. with all of this extra gear on it's heavy as fuck and it's all the way around drum brakes front and back we're coming down this mountain and and the brakes are starting to get hot right and we're just creeping around the corners going nice and slow and i could start to smell the brakes it's getting hotter it's getting hotter it's like okay Pull off the side of the road, let it sit for a little while, let them cool down. But it can't cool down because it's hot as fuck out. Because once you get away from the coast, the temperature goes up drastically. So it's getting, they're just super hot. So finally we find a spot where we can pull off and there's a creek, right? So I don't even, I don't think this was the smartest thing to do, but I didn't care. I didn't know what else to do. I took a, a one gallon jug that we had for water. I cut the top off. I went down to the creek and filled it up and I started pouring gallons of water over the, my brake drums. Mm. And the the steam, I was like in a sauna. It was pouring out. They, first off, they were smoking. They were so hot, all four wheels were smoking. I thought we were going to catch on fire. It's like I had to do something. So with smoke billowing out of the tires, we pull off the side of the road. I run down the creek and I'm gallon jugs of water and I'm dumping them on the brakes, just trying to cool them off. And finally, get to the point where they're just barely boiling hot, you know, and the steaming isn't so much. It's like okay, they're cooled off, we can hit the road again. So we start driving down and uh we uh, um now all of a sudden like when we hit the brake, you know what it's like when your rotors out of, out of true and it mm-hmm. goes whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, you know, and it kind of rattles your car. Every time we hit the brakes, the whole van is shaking like we're in the middle of an earthquake. Like the the dishes are rattling in the cupboards cuz the rotors are so tweaked now because they got so hot that it warped them. And so we uh um we get into San Francisco and we camp out at the Golden Gate Bridge. There's this huge parking lot area where a lot of van campers go and camp and we so you can camp out overnight there. It says you're not supposed to, but everybody does. Um so we camped out there, um, took it in and and at this point we're at another point where the now the fucking van shakes like a like a you know. Right.
1: Warped your like rotors? Like, or yeah,
0: it's it's a it's like a broken tractor. Oh, like, so it, it was. huh? What? Well, what is it that the pad on the drum? The drum goes up against. It's still a rotor, isn't it? I think it's just the drum. Well, whatever the drum is, is warped. It's the drum then. I don't fucking know right now. So, um, we're camping out, and and we're at that point again where we're deciding. It's getting later in the year. We haven't found a place to stay. We're at the we're not at the edge of our money, but at the same point, we're still like, you know, we've already gone through all the states that we thought we might want to stay. Mm-hmm. So I called up my friend Peter because we decided we we're gonna head home. And I said, Hey. I said, um, I think we're not gonna make it. And he says, Fuck you. He says, You promised me. He said, you promised me you were going to come visit me. I said, I know, but like, we've been through hell, man. Like this last, this, you know, it's been rough. And he, and he's like, you're in San Francisco. You're not that far away. He says, just come down here, visit for a day, you promise, and then take Route 66 back. It's like, okay, fine. I promise. We'll come. I said, I'm not even coming into LA with this fucking van, this beast of a van. I said, I don't want to. Fine. We'll have lunch somewhere. Meet me outside of LA. Um, We get a little ways south of San Francisco into Salinas, California. Salinas is like this major agricultural community. Um, and uh, um, that's a whole different subject. I'm not going to dive into that because it's getting a little bit late in the day. So we get into Salinas, and the van is so bad, shaking so bad. It's like he, it's almost undrivable. So this dude, his name was Jose, and he had this little hole in the wall shop this fucking dude saved our lives, man. He, I, I took the van to him and, and he, uh, he looks at it and he goes, Oh, this is very bad. My friend. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And he goes, Oh, it's so bad. You should not be driving this van." <laughs> and I'm like, fuck. Okay. So to give it to what, what, what's up? He shows me the, the pad and he, and it's like, he's got a handful of black dust. Mm-hmm. It, all the heat and then the, the rapid cooling turned it into this brittle, flaky shit. Mm. And he's like, he's like, he's like, you're you're gonna get into an accident. He's like, you can't drive this. So I'm like, okay, what do we got to do? And he's like, you need all new rotors, all this stuff. And he goes, you know, there aren't very many places that make these anymore. And I'm like, you kidding me? So we had to order all new pads and, and whatever it held drums or yeah. whatever it is yeah. from sent from san jose california and they had to be delivered the next day and jose put them in right there he got us on the road in, in less than two days so we got down to la met my friend peter and uh it was later in the day It was like seven or eight and he's like just come stay at our place just spend the night take a shower you know you want to take a load off you guys can have one of the beds in the house get a good night's sleep you know so we did and uh, to you be continued, stayed. man. You stayed. We stayed. We stayed for like three months. Lived the LA life for three months. And this has to be a to-be-continued because so much cool shit and awesome yeah. things happened. And in at LA. some point, so obviously, you came back. Yes. And, and, and eventually, after spending three months in LA, we did come back. Yes. So, so that story a, will be continued. The story will be continued I like on, it. on another episode whenever we get to that point. So... God damn! If you're still listening, and and you're listening to me ramble on this whole long story, it's it's a fun story to tell. But God bless you
1: if you're still interested right now. Well, and it, here's the thing: it needs to be said. You need to, we need to go. We need to dive into this part of your life because I think it's huge. And uh, and I appreciate you talking about it for the last <laughs> two and a half hours or whatever. No shit. This, this story took Getting up a sore but, throat, but um. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, and I know there's some certain trials and tribulations that came with that trip, and I appreciate you sharing them, um, but yeah, I just, yeah, it's it's enjoyable for me. For someone who already knows the story, it's enjoyable to listen to, so I hope for those that don't know the story that are listening, the same sentiment this there. Yeah, well, thank, you. And, thank uh, you. and we'll come back to this at some point. Yeah. We got a lot of shit we can talk about. And these are good ones when we don't have oops, friends hanging out with us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's some life stories. So I think, as I'm looking at our ticker at like four hours, this is going to be the like the longest fucking uh, podcast we've put out so far. No. Oh, yeah, it is, actually. I think it is. It is, yeah, because...
0: Last week's for ladies and gentlemen. For if you don't know, and a lot of people that know, kind of some backstory around it. We were here for like five hours last uh,
1: week. We were actually here for six hours.
0: We were here for six week. hours last week on our on our famous whiskey night. We had some technical difficulties. We had to cut some some sections out that just didn't work out very good. But uh, so for yeah, for actual playtime, this will be the longest. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah and I and. I hope everyone can understand that. I apologize. Last week was by far the most edited episode we've done. Um, and we was just, it's what happens.
0: It's testament to your skills though, man, because honestly listening to it, even after I was talking to Bill who should be here right now, but he's not after he listened to it, he said, you know, you, it was a really well edited. You did a good job as far as making the clean breaks and the transitions. It was really well done. So there was the you. one
1: really hard transition. So I had to yeah, you stepped over, in for a second. Up. And with that, I should just clarify, um, you know, Ike and I, we do this on the weekends. We spend time away from our families to record this because we want to hang out, and and this is a fun project. But with that, our transition to Tuesday releases is just purely based on time. Um, you know, we our, our families sacrifice our time, and so I want to spend the rest of the weekend as much with them as I possibly can. And rather than try and spend another three hours outside of this to to put it in our editing software and to upload it with my shitty internet. Uh, it's just going to be easier if I do that on a Monday for a Tuesday drop. So
0: absolutely, man, you gotta, you gotta honor that time. And and I know that for the people that do listen to us and grateful for this process and, and they like the podcast, you know, thank you that it's kudos to you for you put in a lot of hours and a lot of work, getting it all ready to go. And, and, uh, and and you got to be able to honor your life around what this means So it's just how it works and uh, yeah grateful for you grateful for you to take the time to do it at all. And so if it's a Tuesday drop then it's a Tuesday drop and you can't you can't give up all that time with your family because you know like we talked about in this podcast so many times even today that
1: you know you only get that one trip yep you know so make the most of it and this is part of that so hey, Four fucking hours. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate you, Mr. Landman. I appreciate you, my friend. I'll see, see you in a too, couple bro. days. Yeah, see you in with a couple days. <laughs> with the snow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, If again, uh, if you want to send us a note, um, I will leave a link to our hosting page where I think you can do a voice message. And in the meantime, I'll look at setting this up with, a, with an email. To me. So, That'd, be dope. That'd be dope. All right, brother. All right. Much love. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.